What do PlayStation and Blink-182 have in common? They're both edging, and the price will scare you away. Well, hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me is one... Chris Fix? Uh, Mr. Chris Fix? There you go. You have to keep it in line at this point, right? You can't shake it up every single week. No. Or you can. I could just change my name. Yeah. With me this week, Mr. Gerald Geronimo. What you should do is just every week do a little anagram thing and just Mm -hmm. put your name in an anagram thing and just hit a button and then whatever it is, just say that's your name for the week so that you can keep Hassan Karmaning it up for, you know, the rest of your life. Okay. <clears throat> really, I, I guess that would be the the Joaquin whatever thing that he uh, he did for <laughs> <laughs> Metagross exactly. Solid Five. Yeah. But hey, first and foremost, if you are new to the show, welcome. We are Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast, as I mentioned. If you've never listened, welcome. We hope you enjoy what you hear. We are a gaming podcast that we primarily view through the lens of being PlayStation fans. Um, but we talk about Nintendo Xbox as we need to, as we see fit, or if we're playing and enjoying things or whatever on their systems. But we always start to show off uh, before we jump into all the news, all the Silent Hill talk, Spider-Man talk, PlayStation maybe doing some shady stuff to be shown as well as possible in front of the CMA, whatever it be, before we get into all of that, we start this show off a little more loose, a little less structured, and just something simple and kind of see what each other's been up to for the week, what we've been playing, give you guys an update on that. Um, and, you know, this week, I think Chris has got quite the list because I will let Chris regale you on the fact that his PlayStation 2 came in, if I'm not mistaken. My PlayStation 2, 2 did come in, yes. It is old. <laughs> I mean, yes. Yes, it is old. Yeah. No, it's been fun. I played a lot of Slugfest. Um, I played a bit of like everything. Like I played some Spider-Man 2. Um, mm. Let me look. What did I play? I played a little bit of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. I started The Getaway. And good God, that game is... It's funny because you go back and you're like, these things didn't look that bad. And like on PS3, I expected to be like shocked at how bad things looked. And you play PS3 and you're like, yeah, whatever, this is fine. You play PS2 and you're like, good lord, this is what video games were, huh? <laughs> well, I, we we kind of had a conversation the other day where you were asking me about my experience with my PS2 because of yeah. course you knew I'd bought one. Um, and I typically play my PS2 games if I play them <clears throat> through PS3 backwards compatibility. So it's kind of the same situation, but they do put like some bilinear filtering and stuff on it to try and make it look a little bit better on an HDTV. And you have native HDMI support. So the problem with PS2 is that you're constantly trying to run these things through TVs that don't have, most of the time, they don't have actual uh not VGA, but um, AV cables. RG, whatever they are. Yeah, you don't have AV ports. Instead, you're like halfway using co- the remaining component ports that are there, and you're only using some of them. Is that how your TV is? Yeah. Or does it actually have AV? Okay. No, it actually has um, AV. Yeah, I'm using an actual. <clears throat> oh, cool. Plugged in. 
Well, this one does too, right? The, the one I play on is the confidence monitor I use for the show. So the t- the screen that's directly beside the camera that I use to look at Chris while we're recording is the one that I play on. It's a little 32-inch 720p TV I bought from my grandpa years back um, just so he could watch Mosh on it, uh, which Mosh is a great show. But when he passed, I just was like, I don't really know what to do with the TV. So I sat around for a while and I decided to use this here. But the upside to it is that since it's a 720p TV, it's not trying to stretch a 480p image of 99% of PS2 games to fit 4K and all of the problems that come with the upscaling trying to do that. So Chris was talking about his image quality looking like trash. Yeah. I mean, what were you playing? Slugfest. <laughs> yeah, I think I said to you, I started playing Slugfest and thought I was going blind. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't speak for how yours will go, but because I was wanting, I don't, I don't have a uh, a CRT around, even though I would love to, to play PS2 on. Um, I was looking and I found for like 20 bucks online an adapter that you plug into the back of the video slot for ps2 but then it comes out and it's got an actual box that goes out to hdmi and then a usb support that is powering the unit by plugging it into your tv's usb spot and the idea is that it's supposed to kind of handle all of that and convert it up in a way that's handled for ps2 the only issue i've had is that when you first plug it in you've got to go and change your PlayStation 2's color stuff back to RGB. Otherwise, your picture will just show green. Um, And then when you change it back, it looks great. Sharper image quality, pretty nice colors, but the colors are just a bit too saturated depending on what you're trying to play. It doesn't matter for certain games. Like, I've been playing Guitar Hero, and it's Mm -hmm. honestly great for that because it just helps the colors be even easier to see. But for games that are probably trying to look a little more realistic and have a, a bit more variance in shade, I doubt it would look good. But for 20 bucks, I mean, it does its thing. The only other thing is that it introduces at higher volumes. You can hear like a slight, I, I want to, I guess I want to say whine. Yeah. Like, I have that. Yeah. Uh, but it's not too bad. So good luck with your PS2 endeavors. Uh, I hope you find something that works. Have you seen those little, um, I guess I don't know what else to call them other than I think they're called M classics where you're supposed to hook them in the consoles and it has a like a, some kind of upscaler within it that helps scale from the source before your TV and then your TV upscaler helps it more. I've never seen it, but I've never you seen should it, look yeah. at them. I think they're like a HDMI thing. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if they have one for PS2 or not, but <clears throat> it might help you. Okay. I honestly might just buy a, a CRT. I'm looking on eBay, and there's some on here for like 400 bucks, and there's some on here for 20 bucks. So, dude, they're way too much. They're, they're way too much. I would love to have one. I want a little Sony Trinitron. Those are yeah. great. They look cool. They're. I love the ones that are flat screen Trinitrons, where it was that era where it was still CRTV, but they were flat screen on the front. Those are great. Know, Some kinda, of them, if you get the ones that were computer monitors, they actually support higher resolution as well. So you can play like PS3 and stuff on them. They have HDMI ports. Really? Huh. Yeah. Cool. But that's like much later, like 2003, 2004. <laughs> but they're cool if you can find them. Gotcha. So, oh my God, Sony Trinitron, $399 plus $150 yep. shipping. 
crazy because while I don't think I should have, somebody sold one the other day that was like a 42 inch for $80. And I kind of wish I would have hopped on it. I missed it. I was kind of disappointed because I've been waiting for like one that's in good enough shape at a price that I'm at least willing to pay. Yeah. Didn't quite work out for me. Well, soon enough. You'll get yeah, it, speaking of being willing to pay, uh, oh, we made the joke at the at the cold open of the episode about Blink One Eighty Two and the uh, the Sony Edge, uh, DualSense Edge or whatever. But I actually did buy Blink One Eighty Two tickets. <laughs> did because, you? Yeah, my wife was wanting to go, uh, and she was like, "You can consider it my birthday present." And like the day that they announced the ticket, she was like, "I don't care what we got to do, we're going to go." Then she started being like, "Well, I guess maybe we can't afford it," but I was like, "Nah, we can make it happen. I mean, yeah, it'd be all right." So we found tickets for uh, 161 a piece, which is not that bad. It's nosebleeds, but it's not that bad. I've never seen Blink. She hasn't either. Hopefully, we'll have a good time. We'll see what happens. Oh yeah. But uh, well, yeah, what's been playing, man? Um, on yeah, your so PS2 and PS2. on my PS2. Um, like I said, most of my time was in Slugfest. I, I sent you, I got a just a shipment of like eight games the other day. I posted it on Twitter. So that's some cool stuff. Um, I played a little bit of Twisted Metal Black. I did not really like that game. Really? Yeah. I, that's actually a kind of a timeless game. I, but I, I think it's designed I, in such a way that it's still fun. I think me. I was just more confused on what I was supposed to be doing that it kind of just frustrated me. Um, You're literally just supposed to kill everybody. Got it. Well, I'll give it another and shot. And you'll and you'll have you'll have story throughout that. So basically you you beat everyone. It's like a, it's like an arena shooter with cars. You just beat everyone and once you're done, the game will continue to the next level. Right. And okay. you'll get a little story hit as to how it works. Huh. I think a lot of it is more just like I wasn't sure. And it was at that point where I'm like, ooh, I've got these fifteen games for my PS2. So you put one in for two minutes and then you take it out and you're like, Oh, that was really nice to take it out, put a different one in, you're like well, this looks like crap. You take it out, put a different one in. So I've gone through a lot of them, but I haven't played much. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Um, What's is, is Slugfest? I, I know it's MLB. Is it one of those more like arcade style baseball yeah, games? Yeah, it's like you catch on fire and have unlimited turbo. And like on the bases, you can punch the fielders and dro- get them to drop the ball. Like It's a lot of fun. So I it's think- like NBA Jam, but... And, and NFL Street and all those random it's ones or whatever. Closer to like NFL Blitz. Yeah, um, Blitz. That's what I was talking yeah. about. Yeah, like where you can like beat the crap out of the other players. It's a lot of fun. You can play in Atlantis. It's cool. It's a great game. Um, my brother came over like at 10 in the morning to play some Slugfest. And then that was a fun night. But You know, it's weird that sports games have kind of dropped that. Because I remember when we were young, there was pretty much a street or non-realistic and kind of goofy, far more arcadey version of sports for every series. Right. I remember one of the first PS3 games that offered 1080p support really early on was NF- NBA Street, if I remember correct. And then they also had a soccer one that was like NFL Street, where it was like you were playing soccer, but like in neighborhoods on smaller fields and stuff. And it had crazy rules within them. I wonder why that genre just kind of died. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, man. It was a lot of fun where you could just beat up each other and you didn't have to take it as seriously. You hit home runs and they would have trails of fire behind them. Like, that was fun. Yeah, no, I remember when I was a kid, I really loved playing the NBA Jam games because it was just, it felt a lot cooler 
feeling like you didn't have to be super technical. You just kind of had to play and run up and get in zone, and then you could dunk on somebody, and it would look super sweet because your guy would like jump in the air, and it would yeah like make it super stylized and He's hype. On you know, fire. It would, it would, yeah, and then you dunk, and you you just feel super cool. And now maybe that's just because I was young, and it was you know when you're young how things seem cooler than they are later because you're not a jaded piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. That's probably what it was. But I've really, you know, I've worked on uh, bringing that that childish sense back where whenever something is just like making me like giddily happy while I'm doing it, I'm just like, I want to keep doing it. This is cool. Like I'm just <laughs> going to enjoy it and not get in my own head about how I'm an adult and I shouldn't be having giddy fun because that's bullshit. I should have whatever fun I want. <laughs> exactly. If I want to frolic through the flowers, I damn well will. <laughs> yeah. I mean... I've never frolicked through the fr- flowers that I'm aware of, but I mean, you definitely there's, new, have. there's time for everything, right? You should go frolic through flowers. Well, I mean, as an adult, I, as a kid, I played in the woods all the time. I wouldn't say I frolicked as through an flowers, adult. But, go frolic through flowers. It's you know 2022. What, Chris, I'm gonna do that. You might as well. <laughs> what does that mean? It means no one's going to think you're like this. Isn't this isn't like your dad's political landscape? You can frolic through the flowers without being made fun of. You wear a pink shirt and frolic through the flowers with a fruity drink, and you'll be fine because it's you know an I accepting love? society. It's that there's such a long history of people saying, you could do that. It's 1892. Yeah. <laughs> and then 100 years from now, 100 years from them, we're looking like in 1992, we're like, oh, those heathens. <laughs> they weren't allowed to do anything. <laughs> and then you just say, it's 2022. We're accepting. And then look, 100 years from now, you know, 21, 24, 21, 22, whatever. Someone's going to be looking and being like, can you believe how they would not allow anyone to do anything? They were so restrictive. Bigoted. <laughs> A grown Andrew's- man couldn't even frolic into flowers. <laughs> <laughs> now, I am currently reading this on my smart eyes, frolicking through the flowers made of plastic sponsored by McDonald's. <laughs> Drink your daily air. <laughs> Have you listened to this vintage in 2022 podcast called Triangle Squared? <laughs> oh. Guy's first oh. name was Mr. <laughs> <laughs> We've dropped such unnecessary cultural terms. Yeah. Oh, man. You know what? Someone was talking the other day, like, would you, would you want to live to be 100? Is it... Like what what's your what's your cap off point? Where do you feel like living would be too exhausting for the for being alive to feel worth it to you? Like in your current young 29-year-old state of mind. For me, I I've always said that I'm going to hit a point in my life where I'm just going to start doing hard drugs because I might as well Roll the dice. Like that's the thing. Like if I live, if I live to be like, let's say, eighty, in the eighty range, like yeah, I might go. I might try some heroin. Like, like what am I losing? I I went eighty years without knowing, and curiosity may kill the cat in this case, but for me, it's like I'm almost there already. You know, yeah. like I, I got one foot in the grave. What else am I going to do? I'm going to go skydiving. I'm going to shoot some blow. Like, who cares? Like, you well, might as dude, well give it a shot. 
<laughs> it's like they talk about old people getting really promiscuous in the like in like their late seventies and eighties and whatnot. And they just start doing like they just start having sex without condoms and protection or anything. It's like all the things I never did. Now it's just about seeing what I can do. Well, that's the thing. It's like, like I've lived eighty years without gonorrhea. What hurts if I get it now, <laughs> dude? If that, I completely understand sugar daddies. <laughs> Please, please t- tell us how you understand them, Chris. No, okay. If you're you're in your late you're in your late fifties, and even fifties is a stretch. But you're in your late sixties. Again, the twilight years, right? What do you have to lose paying a twenty-something-year-old girl to, to suck your dick? Like, what what is there to lose? I mean, I guess technically nothing. Like you but buy, society you definitely buy sh- doesn't like it. Who gives a who? Who cares? Well, here's the thing. You, Society outwardly doesn't like it, and they want to speak against it, but everyone likes the idea of like, eh, you know, send a few feet pics. Actually, I'll tell you this. Where the difference, I think, comes at, Chris, is I mm. feel like most girls are actually pretty forthcoming about the fact that they are okay with having a sugar daddy yeah. so long as there's no actual physical interaction. Like, yeah, they're like, yeah. Nah, that I ain't. agree with you, though, because it's like, what for for uh, for us right now, it feels like, why would you even pay for that? <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, but, like, I, I'm not going to. But like, if I had millions of dollars and some fucking Russian model wanted me to buy her, do her, get her nails done every week, pay for her haircuts, buy her shoes and shit, like, sure, down. <laughs> Chris, are you serious? You know, now, now I hope I just live long enough to see you. Aspire to your dreams. That's what I want. Well, but right now, thing. I hope for you to get hope, to your millions, to, yeah. to get to your hundreds, your hundreds of thousands, uh-huh. and get you. You know, when you're 79 and you shoot me a message of you with your new Russian model girlfriend, I'll be so proud of you. So you're saying <laughs> if you if I only need hundreds, I'm getting that discount, sugar baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's how it happens. All it's I'm okay s- though. All I'm saying it's still is, a sugar baby. in the later stages of life, you're not losing anything by doing dumb shit. Like right now, yeah. I'm 29. I got a lot. I got a lot of time left ahead of me. I will refrain from doing heroin. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> you might, you might lose your life. We, we're being very nonchalant with the fact you, you have anything to lose. You have your life to lose. Not you're that, just far that, enough in it that you're willing to roll the dice. But that's what I'm saying. Like I don't have, like. In a perfect world, 50 to 60 years left, right? At that <laughs> yeah, point, yeah. in a perfect world at the age of 80, like I got like five years minus a bad fall left. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like if I slip and fall playing God of War 87 in VR, know, in VR, <laughs> yeah, plugged into the guy, I am actually controlling Kratos. Like, yes, at that point in my life. Who cares? Give it a shot. Just, just whatever. <laughs> I, I've always taken to the point, like, when I get that old, I'm just going to start doing, like, extreme crazy sports. Like, I'm going to start flipping dirt bikes and stuff just 100%. to see how far I can get. Yeah, right, like, right, now, right now, I think to myself, like, I, I scale my hobbies on how severely I think I could get injured within them. Sure, sure, sure. And I, and I, and I push how far. But, you know, like, when you hit that age, it's like, What's skydiving now? What's base jumping? But that's I'll exactly what go, I'm saying. I'll go climb. I'll go climb Jesus Cristo in Rio de Janeiro and and jump off. Why? I just, why not? I need to get to a point in my life where being mean to someone doesn't make me feel weird for like a day. And then at that and point, then you're then you're okay to just then you know let it all go. 
Yeah, because at that point, you're at the point where you can say whatever you want as a person and no one will care. Dude, think about how your grandkids will just think of how fucking cool you are if you die doing any of those things. <laughs> like, what if like your mom gets a like, you know, like your your daughter, I guess, right? Like, say you have a yeah. kid and you have grandkids and your daughter gets a call and it's the doctors in Brazil being like, Well, your your father climbed the, the statue of Jesus Christ and, and base jumped and well he fell going 182 miles per hour. <laughs> <laughs> he hit the ground at terminal velocity and killed himself. I don't actually think that's high enough to hit terminal velocity. No, that's. But point being is, it would kill you as an eighty-year-old. But how yeah. wouldn't your grandkids be like, "Fuck, Grandpa was so sick." Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna learn to skateboard just so I can be the badass grandpa. I'd be like, "You kids want to do some kick flips? Tear your ACL while yeah. you're trying to at seventy nine, trying to show your grandkid how to kick flip." No, see, but that's the thing. Like, you have to balance it, right? Like, at that point, retirement age, I got to be in the gym, right? Oh, one hundred percent. I got to be up like in the, the gym, the day, just working. The day on my you fitness. retire, yeah, you just got to be for the rest of your time. You've got to be fit. Yeah, because you got to be the hot old man. Because you don't want to be the person at the bowling alley who looks like their body's melting, right? And like, you yes. don't want to be that yeah. person. You want to be like, like. Like you're a you're a statue of wax that's been a little too close to the lamp. Yeah, like Sylvester Stallone is a great example of what I mean. Like that man is still is a looks like a young man outside of the fact that his face is melting, but the rest of his body looks fine. Like he can play a superhero, and I believe it. You know, so that's how you have to be in retirement. You got to be Sylvester Stallone. The rest of your well, life. Where does gaming you Where does gaming play into your retirement years, or is that the point where you give up gaming? No, it's like no, I've no, got no. life to live now, baby. No, because the thing is, like, think about the ten hours you spend at work every day. Like, I spend like ten yep. hours at work every day. You spend yep. that time. You spend half of that time doing wild shit. Do heroin for an yeah. hour. I base jump for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I go to the gym for an hour. In that order, you you do the heroin. You base jump. You you're high from the base jump. You hit the gym while you're still up. Right. I take my pre workout in the air and then go to the gym. <laughs> But then think about that leaves me what? Well, hold on. Isn't the heroin your pre-workout? Like, isn't that the point of the heroin? Oh, God, no. No. Right now, I, like, I restrict myself Actually, to two monsters a day for look, my health. This might I'm be me being four stupid. monsters a day. Is heroin an upper or a downer? Dude, I don't know. I don't do heroin. <laughs> me either. Uh, let's see. Otherwise known as an opioid, so it's a downer. So heroin would not be your pre-workout. So you would. You'd have to be midair taking your pre-workout so that by the time you hit the gym, you've got that buzz. You right. Know? And then that'll leave me about 12 hours of my day to play video games. Sweet. Well, Hold on, where's Sugar Baby working? I was about to gotta, say, <laughs> depending on if I have a date with my Sugar Baby... That's a whole other thing. But if I'm if I'm also at that point in my life, I will have a gigantic collection of video games, and it'll be very sick. You know what, Chris? Yeah, I, I I was coming into this ready to say that I was just you know I flip my vet off the side of a mountain at eighty. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Now I think that we got to try and live as far as we can. But it's, it, the goal shouldn't be dying, right? I was going to come in there saying, like, flip my vet at 80 to die just so yeah. I don't have to put up with it anymore, but you go cool. But now I want to flip my vet to try and live just so I can tell somebody at 81, like, guess what, bitch? Flip my vet last year. Still yeah. here. What'd it do? I hit that curve 120. 
<laughs> right. I'm still good. Exactly. Had to get a new hip, but it was probably on the outs anyway. Maybe vacation to like a war torn area just to see. You know <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you have to lose at 80 years old? What's the bucket list of dangerous? Like, what would you call the bucket list of dangerous shit? Like once North you get Korea, old? thousand percent. <laughs> Are you joking? Like, what That's would you call answer. the list? So you'd call it North Korea. You'd call it like you know, like instead of your bucket list, what kind of what would you call the list of crazy shit you want to do? Your fuck it list. There you go. Yeah, that yeah. works. All right. Well, with that in mind, Chris, uh, do you want to tell everybody else what you've been playing and uh, <laughs> move on from? That? I have told them, but can I ask one question? Should I go as JT or JP from Grandma's Boy, or the dishwasher from Waiting for Halloween? Oh, I think JP. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I think JP. Please sit on my face. My face. <laughs> what have you been playing, Brett? Oh, man. Well, you missed how you've been playing Final Fantasy X HD Remaster. I haven't played Final uh, Fantasy X okay. HD Remaster. The game is good. I'm Not early. It. I went into the, the the asshole in the sky, and that's where How I much am. Blitzball did you play before you Z- said fuck it? Zero. <laughs> you can play Blitzball before that point? Yeah. Oh, yeah, if I remember I, the game right, it's been a long time. But yeah, you start the game, you can play. I did not. I, play for some Blitzball. reason, I was thinking the game forced you, but it may not make you. It did not. I talked to some mm. some kids who wanted to take pictures with me. I watched a cutscene, and then I went into the asshole in the sky. And Arturo yeah. was cool. Well, I may just be thinking of because maybe I'm just thinking about the fact that the opening cutscene has you playing Blitzball. Maybe you don't actually get to play it until later. I think that might be it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like I said, I haven't played that game since I was like 12, so uh, it's been a long time. But it's a cool game. Let's wait till you get to see more. That sounds see like I'm saying butts. see more of the game, but see more as a, as a character. Um, yeah, cool. What Are you playing the uh, the remaster on PS3 or the PS4? PS4. I figured. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, cool. For some reason, I feel like I remember... One of the versions of that game, it was like the audio. It might have been the Switch version or the Vita version where the audio was like highly compressed and felt like felt weird. But I know that the PS4 version seemingly didn't suffer from that. So it's it sounds good to me. Uh, I'm back on my bullshit of playing strictly one game because I'm hopelessly addicted to it. And uh, or you know what I mean? Like I'm fa- I'm so enthralled by it that's all I want to do when I choose to play games. Um, so Conan Exiles. And Chris, it's time for you to play because this game, every problem I told you I had with the online infrastructure part is handled because I was having such a great time playing, but I was having so much like I I hated that I felt like I was progressing without Donovan if I was playing without him because he could only play when I was on. So we started a new world. I rented an official server for the game. And I pay right now for 30 days and I will continue for as long as I'm having fun with this game for a private server that you can hop in and out of and progress in and out of at your own free will of up to 10 people. Right now we're at two. So anybody who wants to play some Conan, holler at me. I will send you the stuff. We can play together when you have time to play together. And if you still want to play when not, you get to progress through your world, your character and everything, regardless of whether we're all on. And I really love that aspect. 
and all the bull crap about being having to be close to the me as a host is gone. So me and Donovan can be on opposite ends of the map at the same time. It's great. Sounds so dope. good. Yeah, I have it downloaded. So now is your time to try it, Chris. After you get off, after we get off this episode, we could play hypothetically. We could. We could. We could. You would have to leave Xanarkand for a little while. Yeah, see, and that's... enter the exiled lands, but that's okay. You know what? We'll 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 give it a shot. I think I'm willing to give it a shot. Look at that! I'm so proud of you. Uh, you've said it on episode now, so someone's going to have to hold you to it. Man, Feeds okay, Mister. Uh, yeah, I'll play Apex. Feeds with the you. fire. Fuck! I never here. said that. Yes, you did. When? Give me a timestamp, Chris. Okay, I'll I'll listen through the episodes. You said it. I bet you will. I said I'd get it as your uh, your wedding present. You did say that. So if you're trying to make that happen soon, you gotta <laughs> you gotta get moving on that love life. Don't think I won't ask her to marry me just so you play Apex with me. <laughs> Trust me, I'm aware. And as soon as the game happens, you're like, yeah, this is off. <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry, babe. I got other things we to joke. do. We joke. Uh, all right. Oh, well, good. We can say all the bad things about I'm kidding. If she does listen to the show, I'm sorry he doesn't say anything bad. That's the truth. I would He's never. only spoke very highly of you. Yeah. Chris is a classy dude. That's what we're getting at here. He's a, I, he's I, a classy dude to the females. I do like um, to think I have class. At least his female. Yeah. Until I take yeah. him on a boat. <laughs> and then it's the implication. Right. You know? I would yeah. never directly so. say anything, but implication. Well, Chris, instead of me going on and on and on about how much Conan Exiles is great, which it is, and every single time I play it, I discover some new crazy weird thing that makes me go, what the hell? It's it's really cool. I don't want to, it's like I don't even want to say anything because anybody who plays this game, it, it's the forever battle. If I say stuff about the game, it has the chance of making you interested enough to want to play the game. But if I say too much about the game, the same things that might interest you are the things that are so cool to discover on your own that I don't want to take that away for other people. Okay. So here we are. I, I just plead with everyone. It's a game that I would have never thought I would have loved this much. And it is so... I'm wrong. It still has jank. I bought the season pass. That's how deep I am. I've never bought season. I never bought season passes. I bought the season pass. And when I bought the season pass and paid for the coins, currently they're having issues. So the coins did not hit my account. And I had to email their thing. And they said, yeah, we know we're having problems. We'll manually add them to your account, which they did. I had to provide a receipt. But they they added them and then added 120 extra coins because they're just cool like that. So, hey, Funcom, I appreciate it. Um, but, yeah, uh, I'm still having fun despite the occasional jankiness. But it's... Much better when you're not trying to rely on one person being in. Um, but where I was going with that is Funcom, regardless of developer, I'm not actually sure who develops um, Conan Exiles. It may just be Funcom as publisher and developer. I don't think so. Um, yeah, publisher and developer, Funcom. But where I was going with that is that Funcom is the one who are behind the um, announced Dune I don't want to call it MMO, but, um, and there's one more game from them that was recently announced that I cannot for the life of me think. And I couldn't remember if it was the, um, 
someone is working on a survival game that I feel like is reminding me of this. That was Terminator that was announced. It may not have been, it may have been NACOM. I think it is. I think it was NACOM. Yeah. Uh, But point being is that as I'm falling more and more in love with these types of games, these survival slash RPGs that are really fun, I, seeing how this game chooses to stick to its lore really strongly, and it made me really appreciate Conan a lot more than just the movies did, um, as it's far more deep. Uh, I'm starting to get an idea for where if you really play it off right, you could make a pretty cool survival game with Terminator set in the future where you're having to kind of work around the fact that they're robots at any given time. So would you call them robots in disguise? Robots in disguise. That's technically the point of the T80 or whatever model of, uh, of two, right? Terminator Mm -hmm. judgment day is that they can come and they look like normal people and you don't know it. Whereas Arnold looks like a normal person. He can kind of be like, this bro's a robot. <laughs> yeah, I believe that current Arnold Schwarzenegger is a robot. Oh, do tell. Oh, no. I'd have to kill you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know something that even the CIA don't want out, huh? Yeah. It's classified. Schwarzenegger gate. All right. Uh, Well, we're going to go ahead and move into the community's take. Remember, if you guys want to be part of the community's take, it is where we look at the last episode. We ask a question, typically off of one of the um, topics that we talked about during that episode. And we kind of throw it back at you, the community, to get a word in from you guys. See how y'all are feeling about whatever the subject is. Helps keeps it helps us see kind of other perspectives and challenge our perspectives sometimes, and we appreciate that. Um, you can head over to Twitter where we post it. Um, we're at Triangle SQRD. You can follow us there and get updated on when the episodes go live and things like that. Uh, you can find us in a Facebook group called Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. If you ask to be entered into there, we will gladly accept you. And lastly, you can find us in Discord uh, where you can chat with us all AOL chat room style in uh, our day-to-day normal lives. And that is always linked in the description below, whether you're watching this on YouTube or if you're listening to this on uh, podcast services. Speaking of podcast services, if you're listening on there and yours has the ability to review, throw a review down. It lets us know what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show. Uh, and that is good for us to work on the show whenever we feel like we can do that. Um, you can also head over to patreon.com slash nartech and give as little as a dollar per month to support the show uh, where we give patrons, what would you call that? I guess preferred treatment for reading back their community's take responses since they are so gracious to help support the show. Uh, And with that in mind, the question from last week came from, as Chris kind of put it, CD Projekt Red took the MCU approach recently and announced a full slate of their intended games for the foreseeable future. Do you like this style of very transparent announcements, or would you prefer publishers and developers keep their cards close to their chest and let the surprise of a new entry in a beloved series or the thrill of a new IP reveal hit you without warning? Um, And first and foremost, the boy... Solomon gets the most preferential treatment because, I mean, he kind of helped make the show. So Saul chimes in and says, ooh, 
I'll weigh in on this one. While I appreciate the comparison to the MCU, games tend to be delayed more than movies. So it's great when they lay out roadmaps for games, but can quickly become irksome when they are incorporating dates when they aren't quite solid yet. Y'all know me. I've not become a huge fan of the announce now, worry about details later kind of approach that gaming has done lately. As a matter of fact, it seems like all it's been doing in the past year is fluffing up, fluffing up the gaming news content. So many articles about delays and speculation of release dates. It's incredibly hard to get my hopes up about game releases anymore, unless I'm about a month out. The current example being God of War Ragnarok. And, uh, I I think that's a pretty pretty true response and it highlights something that is both a blessing and a curse. I think the first thing is is that announcing games in this slate way can if handled correctly help deal with hype to a degree. Because if you're being transparent enough and you're showing things often enough, you set expectations in a way that's a little easier to fall, uh, to follow. And I think the secondary aspect of that is that so many games have done that, that anytime a game is announced really early, it kind of naturally sets in you to not get too hyped about it, which I think is a good thing in some ways. But then the flip side of that is you're never as hyped about games as you used to be because games used to always be like, a, <gasps> it's coming. You'll, you'll be able to play this and, you know, not always, clearly. The Last Guardian's a big example. But um, what do you think about that, Chris? Well, my biggest take is I think I think games and movies just get delayed at different points, if that makes sense. Like you'd never see, like, I don't know, Sleepless in Seattle is, like, a month out from release. And then they're like, sorry. The, you know, Meg Ryan forgot one of her lines in a later scene, so we have to push the movie back two months. You know, that doesn't happen with movies. You get it at the beginning when Kevin Feige's like, we're making Fantastic Four and for next year. And then six months later, they're like, no, we're not. It's not coming out for another <laughs> two years, you know? I yeah. think, so I think the way the two get um, delayed is just the big differentiator. But I think, I don't know. I get it, like... I think it's just fundamental differences between me and Saul that I like knowing about everything far in advance and he seems to not like that. So, well, it's, I think this particular approach is interesting because it's not exactly what either of these are, right? It's not the Microsoft E3 or the Microsoft, whatever it was, the Xbox showcase where they showed a bunch of, uh, <clears throat> hey, we're announcing a game with a CG trailer that sets an expectation, but probably not a fair one. This is like really subdued. It's almost exactly like what Marvel does in the sense that it's just it, even less because Marvel does like this fancy graphic of the timeline and then you get to see like the current work in progress, if not fi final logo for the movie in question mm -hmm. and a rough slot of when they're going to release it. This was simply code names on like a Microsoft word or like a PowerPoint presentation with like a bullet and like Arial font <laughs> said Orion. And I kind of like that because it, it lets you know that, hey, this is what we're working on. And hey, they are related to Cyberpunk, The Witcher, and a new IP. But it comes with such little information that the only excitement you can truly have is that you 
either know CD Projekt at Red as a developer and you like them, you know The Witcher as a, a series and you like it, you know Cyberpunk as a series and you like it, and that's kind of it. It's like all of your excitement is not based off of any new thing you've seen. It's strictly based off of previous stuff. Whereas showing you know Rare's new game Everwild with a CG trailer gives the game so it sets an expectation whether it's fair that it does or not it does whereas a name and aerial font on a microsoft powerpoint slide kind of doesn't you know it, it's it's almost like a sneak announcement because everyone knows about it now but they have nothing to go off of see but you also like a bunch of you remember how earlier this year a bunch of code names for Xbox games leaked, you mm-hmm. know, and it wouldn't it make a lot more sense for Xbox to be the ones who are like, this is Project Earphone Case, and it's a six v six multiplayer shooter developed by Turn Ten Games. We're really excited to show you more. We don't have time to say it now. Instead of Jez Corden tweeting out, I'm hearing about Project Earphone Case, and it's a yeah. Kojima yeah. exclusive made on for the P- Xbox Series S2. You know what I mean? Like controlling your yeah. message, even if it's 10 years out, I think makes a lot more sense. So even if it's just code names, like we tend to learn all that stuff anyway. Durango, Dolphin, Rainbow, all the, you know, we know all this stuff for consoles, Orbis. Yeah. yeah. So. Why the, why wouldn't the company just be like, hey, this is our code names. This is what we're working on. Even yeah. if it's Sucker Punch, three games, Media Molecule, Wasting Time, <clears throat> uh, Polyphony, two games, you know, like mm-hmm. you can do that kind of stuff. Even if it's not sh- telling everything about everything, it at least puts people in a way of like, okay, this is what I we know is going on. Obviously, things are subject to change, but... I just think controlling your message works a lot better than, again, letting people like Corden or Grub or Colin or any of these people give it give it out for free. Why why are you not scooping Jason Schreier with your own shit? <laughs> like, yeah, like if, if you know Jason Schreier is well, about to report to on Assassin's Creed, not. announce it. Yeah, I mean his history of being credible and well, you know leaking but games. Let me say this though, right? It, it's it's a double edged sword in some ways because. Letting someone leak it gives it this like kind of mysticism where it's like, ooh, like it feels sneaky and it gets more attention, I feel like, when it feels like it's being leaked. Whereas if a company just says, hey, we're working on Assassin's Creed uh, thing where it's just one thing, it's not <clears> – <throat> it gets less attention than than Jason Schreier being like, hey, guys, I've got word from some people who were sworn that they couldn't tell anybody and it's juicy because humans like gossip. Yeah. So naturally, gossip ends up being a great way to get word of mouth spread for something, but it also sets crazy expectation in line. So like you say, if you control the message, you may get less hype, but more reasonable expectation. But if you allow leaks, you get more hype, and that can potentially pay off really well. But you also get higher chance of people being disappointed by whatever comes from it. Um so it's it's a balance there, but kind of in the same vein of that, because there's a there's a flip side of that I want to talk about. Um, no fate, uh, Sean One Neo over on Twitter. He's one of our patrons. He says many of us have been saying for years that we prefer shorter release dates after they're announced. I am one of those many. 
just to throw that out there. Longer waits means higher expectations and more risk of something going wrong. Not just in the games industry. Look what's happening with haha, MCU Blade, for example. And where I'm kind of looking at that is, a, first of all, it's true, right? Blade has been known about for a long time. And they're still at that point where they're having to find a new director, seemingly potentially going to have to write a new script. And so we hear about this movie and there's a lot of expectations tied to it because it's a known IP. And of course, it's it's going to be part of the MCU. So there's like multiple prongs of a fan base coming together. People who are already fans of Blade, either from the 90s and early 2000s movies or from the comic books, or people who are just fans of the MCU and excited about a new person that they're not as familiar with. Um but where I'm kind of getting with that is sometimes being transparent works and lets you control the messaging. Sometimes I feel like it can be a weird thing because think about think about Sony trying to control the message and out Spider-Man. And then mm-hmm. if Spider-Man faces any kind of issues, there's already hype tied to it because it's tied to an IP that's as beloved as Spider-Man. So the moment that someone's like, holy shit, they're making a Spider-Man game, the hype is already out of control. Is it better in that particular instance to hold that card close to your chest because you know that there's a there's an expectation for the IP already and wait until you can show something that can wow them? Or is it better to just go ahead and throw it out there? And I'm not saying there is a right or wrong, but I think the answer I'm leaning on is that it's just highly specific to what you're doing saying that that saying that naughty dog is working on a new ip that's a space rpg carries so much less expectation than insomniac is working on a wolverine game yeah you know that's true and so maybe maybe that's why you have to control these things until you can show something which to be fair wolverine still got shown not arguably too early but it got shown plenty of time in advance of when it's going to come out. As far as we can tell, definitely was one of the news things. 2024, if not later, is seeming like when we're going to see it. So It's coming out this year. Um, dude, that would be the mind blow, right? Surprise! <laughs> D- December 12th. <laughs> it isn't, isn't that the same date as Callisto? December 2nd. Or is that is second? <laughs> you still think that Callisto would be pissed if Sony just randomly said we're releasing Marvel's Wolverine <laughs> 10, <laughs> 10 days after Callisto. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would be pretty pissed. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, so Root Days 93 comes in. He's one of our patrons. Over on our Discord, he says, I don't mind early announcements. I'm a patient person when it comes to waiting for games, but the gaming community is definitely not patient and tend to completely overreact. Game developing is very tricky. And some of the smallest things can break and delay a game. And the minute a rumor like that starts, Twitter is exploding with negative takes. So I do get why some developers try and wait to reveal a game. And even if I rather developers be more open, I can see why there's not why they're not because everyone on Twitter is a gaming developer that knows all the ins and outs and why your game sucks. That's a good angle. Uh, and it kind of goes like what I'm talking about. It's the longer out you announce with something that can go off of be it excitement for the IP or a, or a new IP with a pre-rendered trailer that gives you some kind of idea of what to expect. It can really, you know, cyberpunk is a perfect example. 
Cyberpunk is a, was a, a new IP as far as the CD Projekt Red was concerned. It's an existing IP in the world, but it was not a huge one, kind of a niche one. Um, much like The Witcher was. Mm-hmm. And yet it got hyped all sorts of crazy, partially because of fans of the of CD Projekt Red, partially because of the success of The Witcher, partially because of the naivety and foolish acts of CD Projekt Red. But yeah, um, with all that in mind, uh, looking at his example, there is, I'm sure Cyberpunk scared a lot of game developers who have more control away from showing things too early because of that exactly. Uh, but you know, I know that Rude Days and I have had a lot of conversations about how I much prefer the, as much as I I liked the game and didn't love it or don't think it's a masterpiece necessarily, but the one thing that I think Fallout 4 was a masterpiece in is announced to release. Not only window, but announcing and being able to show so much of the game so that the, the second that you announce it, you already can tell everybody what it is that the game is about, how it works, and why they're going to why they're going to or not going to want to play it. It's so great to come out on stage and not just have as cool as it was, not just have Kratos walk out from under a shadow and go, "Oh, now thankfully they followed that up with a gameplay trailer, right?" But if they hadn't, that's kind of a hard sell. It's like, what is this game going to be? And then in the God of War we got would not have met anyone's expectations based off of the God of War that came before because you didn't give that information up front. So having uh, having him out there just saying, here's Fallout 4 and it just works and all these different things, it at least helped because you get to know, here's a dog, you have a dog companion, here's how there's going to be crafting in the game and you're going to be able to build and you're going to be doing all these things. I think that Fallout 4 remains my North Star of what I wish games development was for announcement. And I think it carried a certain excitement that few games quite get because that excitement didn't have years to either build to a crazy amount or decay into something where you're jaded about it. It was the perfect length of time for you to get like excited and keep that jittery excitement until you're playing it. For me. That's fair. Uh, let's see. Last one that we're going to do here is from Jehudi MD over on our Discord as well. Another patron. Thank you guys for being patrons. Uh, he says, I like when developers lay out a roadmap for their future projects, even if it's code names, kind of like you were saying, Chris. It just confirms that a developer is working on something versus keeping things hidden and us speculating if they are working on something or not. It would be nice if Naughty Dog, for example, came up and laid out a roadmap, as I can't imagine such a big developer not having one. Instead of rumors of Jack and Daxter or that sci-fi game that keeps popping out here and there. And I think I agree for certain developers because as I was saying, I don't want to say it's impossible, but I feel like I'm fairly confident in saying Naughty Dog will never work on a licensed IP. Do you feel comfortable saying that? I do feel confident saying that. I don't know. I feel like if they wanted to do something and it and it was a, they could they could do it because didn't Druckmann say he'd want to make a Blade game or something like that or maybe that was Barlog. So like, I, I promise you, if they were if they got if they asked for it, they could probably get it. But I think the type of developer they are, they'd want to flex their creativity with their own characters and their own worlds as they have done all this time before. I don't disagree. Whereas I think. 
Here goes Podcast Kitty for all you viewers out there. This is Tabby, the original Podcast Kitty. She's been with this show um, for the entire time. And she's also a very old cat. She's 14, 15. Good Lord. Uh, 14, that's what it is. She's a good cat. I like her a lot. <laughs> uh, speaking of odd things, just while it's on my mind, Chris, I was setting up the lights whenever we were getting ready for uh, to, to start recording. And I realized as I sat there and did this, these light stands are pretty beat up, partially because mm-hmm. they've just been up and out for since we've been doing this show. I've never changed the light bulbs <laughs> the entire time we've been doing not only this show, but when we did our stints of midweek, when we did live streams and we use them. I use these lights at least once a week, every week, if not multiple times, for hours on end, and I've never changed the bulb. These might be the, the best investment I've ever made. Wow. Hell yeah. It's crazy to think. I'm, I'm really happy it's working out for you, my friend. Anyway, back to that topic of uh, looking at it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think Naughty Dog would be the one to do it. And I think Insomniac has kind of shown themselves, even though I would also agree in that extent that prior to Spider-Man and then Wolverine, I would have never thought that Insomniac would have been a team. They had always seemed the, the team that wanted to pride themselves on original creations as well. But I guess in the games industry, anything can change. Or I should say, as as everyone does, right, with work stuff, there is always an opportunity that you would not, excuse me, that you would not say no to. What? I'm sorry. I got totally confused by that first I think second. I actually, I was thinking in my own head. What I'm getting at, regardless of how dumb I may have made it sound like, and there's a possibility that you misheard it or I missaid it. I'm trying to think through how I said it. But point being, Regardless of who the developer is, yeah, it's kind of like when people talk about like, you know, when you're a, you're a young kid or a teenager and everyone has that dumb conversation you have with your friends, like how much money would it take for you to suck a dick? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where it's like everyone can say no until, uh, until someone says $1 billion. And then if you're actually faced with a billion dollars in real life, are you going to say no? Most likely not. My point being is that Naughty Dog, if put in a situation where someone's asking them to suck his dick, wait. If they're put in a position where someone's asking them if they want to make a certain game, there is going to be some IP, some licensed IP that they've always wanted to work on that they could not turn down. Yeah. Whether we think it's possible or not, or whether we think it's likely or not, the possibility always exists for every developer. For sure. Anyone, you know... If you want to get it, but I mean, even at a certain point, like even stuff like Star Wars doesn't entice some people. So who knows? But I don't know. I think, I think just off some of their comments of saying like, yeah, we'd love to make a blade game or I think it would be cool to make a blade game. I think even if they did a licensed game, their biggest stipulation would be it's our story with this character. Even if you yeah, don't yeah. like it, it's what we, we want to do. I would agree that their stipulation would be if you want a naughty dog made Batman game or whatever it be, right? Oh, whatever the be game so be. Good. But if you want a Naughty Dog made Batman game, that comes with complete creative control. Right. And that's part of also the reason why I wonder, because I could see the IP holder for whatever license being like, but you can't screw our lore up. But Naughty Dog being like, we don't care. We're going to, like, you just have to trust us to to care about this IP enough to not screw your stuff up. Right. Like, hey, or you have, to, you have to trust that what we're going to do. <laughs> do you imagine if that's yeah. the game they made? It was just like The Sims 4 because his parents are alive, so he just lives a normal life. <laughs> well, it makes me think of uh, back with Arkham Knight, 
I don't know if you remember how much of a deal that Rocksteady kept trying to make the fact that they were getting to create a, an yeah, original a character. character. Yeah. It's not. It wasn't? Not even remotely. I think anyone with any thought could have guessed that. But what I'm going, what I'm getting at there is Naughty Dog would be the person of like, if we want to make a new villain in Batman, we're going to make a new villain. And you're not mm-hmm. going to stop us. And, and it's not going to get it. It's not going to be a cop out of where it's actually a te- technically another villain slash antihero. You know what I mean? It's there. There would be no ifs, ands, or buts, and that's the way I view the way Naughty Dog talks about their work and how they look at the labor of art and creating it. And I, it's part of why I really like The Last of Us Two as a discussion piece because the one thing about The Last of Us Two that's true, regardless of how you feel about the game, is that they made it and they have stood behind it one hundred percent. And everything about that game is at least you can look at it and go, someone took risk to make something that pushed buttons, whether those were good, good, positive, you know, negative or neutral buttons, whatever it be. Um, so Chris, go ahead. I gotta go let my cat out. She's going to freak out. <laughs> um, I'm not sure what he wants me to talk about, but I'm looking at Reddit right now. And people, if, if people have big hands, do you accidentally activate the touchpad? Um, I don't. I don't have that issue personally. Um, I've you know, never. Big, I, you know, big hands. I don't know. Mean, how, big gloves. I, yeah. <laughs> what is a big hand, right? I hate when people mm-hmm. like, I consider myself to have a big hand. I have some, I I have some pretty, pretty big chonkers. Like, look, here's my giant head. And I guess, like, Chris, you've seen my head in person. You know the scale of my head. I have a big Correct. head. I just do. And that's like that's my that's my like hands that. to my head. So I, head. I would argue I have big hands. Uh, I, and uh, I've never had a problem with that. Up to my roof, up to the top. Why did I say roof? <laughs> up to my roof. <laughs> oh, you're gonna love Conan. There's, oh, there's yeah? roofs. <laughs> what? Why didn't you tell me that like for the last three weeks? I told you I didn't want to ruin the surprise for you. Of roofs? That's a yeah, selling dude. point. It's not a surprise. I wanted you to be playing the game, and then you go and you, you build a building, and you go, ah, oh, man, I wish that this was one of those games where you could put a roof on, and then you go into your crafting menu, and you see the roof, and you just freak out like the kid who got the Nintendo 64 for Christmas, yeah. or Tom Cruise on Oprah. You're just like, roofs, roofs, and you're jumping on the couch <laughs> and shit, you know? Oh, God. Speaking of jumping on the couch, you want to jump on the news couch? I do want to jump on the news couch. And speaking of jumping onto the news couch, uh, the first thing that we're going to talk about is, oddly enough, not too far from the Batman we were just talking about. (laughs) Uh, Gotham Knights, uh, as many of you know, has thrown up a bat signal that might upset some gamers. Executive producer Fleur Marty confirmed on Discord that the next-gen exclusive title uh, would be locked to 30 frames per second and would not include any graphics mode to get the game to 60 frames per second, so a performance mode in this instance. Um, She indicates that the co-op nature of the title and some nebulous features are the culprit holding the game back. Coinciding with this news, a random game developer not associated with WB Montreal nor Gotham Knights blames this on, as he says, the quote, potato Xbox Series S. He went on to defend his take throughout the day and said, the only way that the Series S hits 60 frames per second is if you roll it down a hill. That's actually (laughs) a funny line. It is funny. (laughs) 
Cyberpunk and Forza Horizon would indicate that being a game developer does not preclude a person from talking directly out of their ass. So look, (laughs) there's a lot of things at play here. The reality is, is that WB Games is a high enough, you know, they're a big enough uh, company and presumably um, WB Montreal is a big enough developer with enough budget and room to be able to work this out. That doesn't mean that we're getting all the information. I've seen people give theories that I think hold some decent weight to them, that this is really just an issue of not being able to optimize the game that much in, in time for release. And so to stick on release schedule for stockholder reasons and for all sorts of things, they're releasing games saying it can't be hit, and then they're going to try and play the PR hero six months from now, three months from now, or whatever with, guys, we finally were able to figure out a way to put a performance game uh, mode in this game because all of you asked so much, and then they get to have that PR victory win of fans. Uh, WB Montreal listens to fans as performance mode. But you also have the flip side of adding it and people going, see, you could have done it all along, which will always exist because the internet is full of troll Smart people. Smart people who um, love games. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what? what's your take? I, I've seen people talk about PC, which is a good point because it, it has always existed on PCs or scalability. Now, even scalability on PC has a low and a high point. Every game has minimum specs and then recommended specs. And... Sometimes games don't run on potato PCs if we're actually talking about that. People were talking about looking at the S and saying, can it really be the culprit? Um, And I'd like to say that probably not. But at the same time, we have to think about how often we like to run through our own head of whether or not last-gen gaming, last-gen consoles, PS4, Xbox One, are holding back games from being able to hit their full potential on PS5 and Xbox Series S and X. And if that's the case, if we can look and say there is a chance from what we know or what we feel and looking at that the PS4 and the Xbox One's weaker hardware are a limiting factor that holds back the design and potential optimization of a next-gen game, then why is it not also reasonable to look at the Series S and say, this clearly weaker designed hardware is having some effect, whether or not it's the cause of this or not, on games and holding them back. And I only bring that up to really say that eventually we're going to have to, as a group of people who who feel this way, either confront that last-gen gaming really didn't, doesn't hold back current-gen games as much as we wanted to think, or the Xbox Series S does hold back. You know what I mean? Like it's going to have to shift to one side because if one is true, the other one is also at least partially true. It just comes down to what extent. Uh, I think think? both have to be true and neither probably are true, right? Because at a certain point, what does hold back next gen mean? Or current gen? Because this is the current gen. It's not like gen anymore, Mm -hmm. right? So that's a great question. What do you even mean by holding back? Because I think if you... I think if you look at God of War, even mm-hmm. versus something like Forspoken, you can see the difference. I think. But that doesn't mean that the difference is going to affect the gameplay experience. Now, what, what do you mean by you can see the difference? Do you strictly mean visually? Do you mean gameplay no, design? No, I mean visually. Or, okay. I mean visually, because I know if you look at some of the vistas that in the Forspoken trailers, and you look at some of the vistas in the God of War trailers... To me, the God of War trailers look a little more PS4, 
upscaled, whereas this looks more like what I'd expect of a next-gen, 10 times more powerful console in Forspoken. But again, yeah. I'm talking about Forspoken, a game that I've said on this show that I don't think is going to be good, versus God of War Ragnarok, a game that I spent $200 on to get an axe. Like, mm-hmm. I think... Hammer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like... It just depends on like are games better or worse. And I've publicly been on the show been like I don't like that games are coming to PS4 anymore. But I think it's because we don't know the power of the PS5. And at this rate, by the time we figure out what the pow- true power of the PS5 is, we're going to be buying a PS6, right? Well, that's like it, you're you're right, but it's also it's, it's generally speaking that's. Not that untrue of a general console cycle, though, right? Wouldn't most people point towards The Last of Us being like a true example of what the PS3 can do? And mm-hmm. the reality is, is that The Last of Us, even on PS3, still looks great. <laughs> it it does. really does. Um, and I think if you look at any of the early PS3 games, and then you look at The Last of Us, it, it you it looks like a generation's worth of difference almost. Um, yeah, if if not for sure. Uh, so yeah, you're you're right in the sense of that. Cross-gen gaming can be holding things back to that degree, and you'll probably see little things of it. But holding back is such an interesting thing because if something's being held back visually, is it really holding something back at all? I think when I think of hold back, just to clarify my stance on it, sometimes I do mean visually. I mean, it's not like, as you said, uh, Chris, about people who bought PlayStation, as we've said a million times, if you bought into PS5, right, and one of your primary factors for buying into PS5 was exclusive games that Sony promised you for that system, and then suddenly they start doing day one PC releases, whether or not it's wrong of them to do that doesn't come into the fact that it's okay for you to be a little myth that you bought something with the promise of that and you didn't, and you're not technically getting it, right? So if you bought a next-gen system with the promise of getting a better experience of only things you can play on this and they're still putting them on last gen it's not wrong of you to think well i bought this under the promise that i would get things i can only play on this uh which has happened but not at a large rate so when looking at that i tend to think less about graphics because even though you want the best graphics you can get i tend to think about and it's something i don't want to say nebulous but it's something that's so much harder to put your finger on and it's something that only you'd really get by listening to developers talk about how they've been held back. But I think about design for a game. And when you feel like you have to compromise on the design that you wanted, not visually, but mechanically, maybe the way you wanted load screens to not exist so you could play into how you wanted to present the game you know, with something like Rift Apart. Uh, not and, and who knows? There's people who've argued that Rift Apart could be played on PS4. Maybe it could. But I at least like the idea of if you're going into a game and you're thinking, wouldn't it be sick if we made a game where you can flip into another dimension immediately and we don't have to have load screens and that's only possible or at least only easily, truly possible without, you know, witchcraft (laughs) on the PS5. (laughs) And then saying, so we're going to make that a PS5 game and we're just going to do the damn thing. I like thinking of it that way. What game ideas have just not happened because someone felt like, ah, for viability reasons of money or whatever it be, we've got to still release on PS4. Or maybe we've got to release on Series S because Microsoft forces us to, but maybe our game doesn't really work as well on the S's hardware, which I'm not saying that. I don't. I had an S. 
it was okay. I mean, it was a decent little console. Biggest thing is graphically, it wasn't very impressive for a next-gen console, but it did have 60 frames per second modes. So, I mean, playing Sea of Thieves at like 1080p, 60 frames per second was still better than playing it at 4K 30, if I'm being dead honest with myself. The 4K looked nicer, but that's also why I just moved to my computer and did 1440p 120 hertz because it's mm-hmm. that much better. So, uh, I don't want to harp on that too long, but I think the Series S thing, the game developer is equally probably being truth, truthful about the fact that the Series S is a, something that developers have to try to work around to some degree, but he's also hamming it up for whatever reason. Maybe he's de- maybe he's developing a game and he himself is having issues with what he wants to do in the Series S, so he's putting that out on everyone else. <laughs> it's possible, but... Eh. Maybe he's just talking not a good more coder. of the game. Possibly talking more of the game. Uh, what do you, like? What do you think the hit is on this? I've seen a lot of people say it's unacceptable. Do you agree? Or at least I've seen a lot of people say, just to clarify, that thirty frames per second for this type of game is unacceptable. I've seen it less be about next gen consoles and more about because of the fact that this is a fighter game. But I want to throw out there every Batman game on console up until this point has also been 30 frames per second. Even the return to Arkham games. No return to Arkham was 60 frames. Right. But I, I original releases. That, that's well, all I mean. This is a, it's a hard question because it is unacceptable. And I think it's also inevitable that we fall back to, to 30, 30 right? Mm-hmm. Because people keep pushing graphics. Eventually, graphics and all these new advanced systems in the games are going to make it so that we're hitting 30 FPS again. Just like I think I remember saying to you at the beginning of the console generation, I'm like, this zero loading thing is so awesome. It's going to last for like three years. And then we're going to go back to minute loads because games are just going to fill in that space with something else. And then the game's going to take longer to load. That's just how it is. One of the things I noticed on PS2 is that it loads pretty fast. But PS3 loads pretty slow because the games are mm-hmm. bigger and better. That's uh, It's just going to keep happening that way. So eventually we're just going to go back to, to 30 FPS and then we're going to, the next PS6 is going to be like everything up to 8K in, in 60 FPS, 8K, you know, HDR. And then halfway through that generation is going to be like 4K, 30 FPS. Like it's just going to keep doing this. Yeah, it, it's really, it reminds me a lot. It's funny, I brought it up twice here now, but it reminds me a lot of the early PS3 days where I don't know if you remember the early PS3 games where so, uh, days where Sony uh, had a market advantage because the early models of the Xbox 360 did not have an HDMI cable. I did not remember that. Um, the earliest models, they, they could still do HD, but it was through component. Uh, you could, you know, you had to plug your component in and you could set it up that way. Um, but then they eventually released a model with HD, but Sony was still riding off the fact that they were the first console to market with an HDMI port stock, no matter what version you got, you had HDMI and they played into that. We're a full HD console. And there was this point in time where <laughs> there was a game made by Sony San Diego. Uh, so your uh, your MLB peeps. Yep. And it was a it was a basketball game. Hold on, I think it was NBA two thousand seven. Give me a second. 
Yeah, okay. Here we are. It was NBA 2007, and I, here's the case in front of me. The name of the game, as is listed on the front of the cover, is NBA 07 Full HD 1080p. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I say it, it's it's on it's directly underneath the name on the box so that it looks like that way. The disc itself just says NBA 2007. The book in the thing, the, the side spine says NBA 2007. But if you look at the front logo, they are drawing a lot of attention to the fact that this is NBA 2007. It's a full HD game in 2006, 2007, and it's in 1080p. Now, as we all remember... Is this is the PS3 remembered as a 1080p console? No. Were there 1080p games on it? Absolutely. Even NBA eventually got to a point where they were just like, ah, we'll do whatever. Ah, we'll be like a one good. So not only that, right? NBA 07 was a full 1080p game that could be run at 60 frames per second. Mm-hmm. Even later games are like, well, we'll be we'll hit 1080p because there's not a lot going on, but we can only hit 30 frames per second because we've increased our physics calculations. We've increased right. this and this, and it it puts us to a point where it's harder to hit that at 60 uh, consistently. So we're just going to cap that off and say 30. So yeah, you're right. I think PS3 showed that that is inevitably how these things work. 4K, 30 is probably going to be the thing. But I think a lot of people banked on 1440p60 or at bare minimum, 1440p60, maybe 1800p60 was going to be the new absolute minimum for resolution, but with the increase in resolution being the, the trade-off. Um, and I wouldn't say na- naively, but I had hoped the same. Anybody who thought we were going to get 4K60 was never going to happen. Uh, but I at least hoped, and we've had a strong start, that uh, performance modes would be a mainstay. Um, now, there, there's something else that's kind of weird about this to me. And it's the fact that they talk about co-op nature of the game. Understandable. But this is also a game you can choose to play entirely by yourself. Yep. This game does not require co-op. And so I think throwing co-op as a reason out is kind of trying to bury the lead because it doesn't really account for the fact that even when playing by myself, there's not a performance mode. If the if what they said was performance mode is only available in single player mode and in the moment you go into co-op, due to the way that co-op works and how we need to have these systems matching up, we're, we have to limit the game back to 30 frames per second. I think most people would be still upset, but they would understand. But to tell me that co-op is the reason, but then tell me I can play the game by myself but I still can't hit 60 frames per second at just a hit to the graphical quality. Feels like you're lying. (laughs) Whether you actually (laughs) are or not, it feels like you're lying. Um, I don't know. This just... I feel like they waited quite a long while in to do that. Uh, Though an interesting uh, aspect of... uh, of this is that another game that just came out, um, Plague Tale Requiem, apparently also does not support 60 frames per second, and it is a 4K 30 frames per second game. Uh, And they did not ever communicate that prior to release. Does that make them terrible people? No. Would it have been ideal for them to have said that ahead of time? Absolutely. That would have been Transparency nice. has a lot of benefits. So, um, but 
Yeah, I saw people talking about how since this is a fighting game, it needs to be 60 frames per second. And while I would love that to be an option, and while I've been so impressed lately that Ghostwire Tokyo had like five different graphics modes. Uh, if I remember, I think there was like three or four for Deathloop. There, uh, Ratchet and Clank had like three or four. Spider-Man, three or four. It, it went from having like graphics mode and performance mode to having graphics mode, performance mode, performance mode, ray tracing, performance mode, 120 hertz. I love that. And I was really hoping that such a strong start with big name games and not just NBA you know, sports games <laughs> meant that we would see this last a little longer to the gen. Um, so this is disappointing, but I guess it's a little less disappointing for me because I wasn't sold on Gotham Knights anyway. I've been kind of talking about the fact that something seems off about the game, unfortunately. Uh, so while I was a, a going to play it eventually, that's still where I'm at here. This doesn't, this doesn't hit me so hard because it doesn't stop me from being a day one purchaser. So it just feels really? kind of like, oh, it sucks. But I was never going to be a day one purchaser anyway. Yeah. I I might buy it on PC. I'm not going to buy it on console. I'll buy it on PC because it's 60 FPS on PC. Yeah, 100% <laughs> makes sense. Now, there's a side thing that we didn't talk about here. There's a video that came out of someone claiming that it is the game running on console uh, versus PC at 60 frames per second. And it's like a scene of Batgirl like riding on the motorcycle and lightning strike and then she turns a corner and what they say is the PS3 version looks like the frame rate is going from like 30 to 27 back up to 30 back down to 22 and then drops to like 15 for a second and then jumps back up. And I don't want to say it's fake because I don't know, but something about the footage looks so bad that it almost looks like someone tried going in and taking frames out to make it look worse on purpose to fuel yeah. the fire. I'm almost wondering if they <laughs> edited it down so yeah. that they were simulating what 30 FPS is going to look like. Well, because you could, right? If you just take the 30 frames per second, and but the only thing is that it still looks variable, which would be a little harder to pull off. But if you could cut it and edit it, then you could render that out and it would play that way and you could pull it back into a video side by side the 60 frames per second one, put it out as a 60 frame video and you would see that difference still. Um, but all I'll say is if it is that bad, then there's truly something to worry about. Yeah. Although I'm reading under that tweet, it says Twitter doesn't even support 60 FPS. So the top is 30 FPS, the bottom is 15 FPS. <laughs> just due to the way that yeah, Twitter, Twitter cuts works. things. But see, but the, you know what, though? I, I've been talking a lot of shit, but if that's 30, like, it doesn't look that bad. I, I'm telling you. The reality is, is, the reality, Chris, is that every Batman game you've played on console was at 30 frames per second up until the remasters. It's yeah, not impossible to go back. But now. that's the thing. The last experience I had with the God, the Arkham games was on PS4 with the Arkham collection. So I play Conan at 30 frames per second. I'll also tell you just but you so played Horizon at 30 frames and I couldn't. <laughs> I, oh, I did. And then I, I kind of split the difference. I played half the time out of curiosity. I played the majority of the game in 60 frames, though. I did. Yeah. But there was that weird shimmering effect. That's actually why. It was more distracting than just the frame rate. <laughs> For sure. It's since been fixed. But... Um, so if we do play Conan, something for you to know, you can't change. And I think it's because of the way the world's loaded because it's kind of like a big server and in, in no matter how you're playing the game, you have to set your graphics mode before you load into a world. So if you want to play right. performance mode, which I've, I haven't even tried, 
I flipped it to it, but then I was like, ah, don't really mind it. You get a field of view slider when you switch to performance oh. mode, so you can get a bigger field of view. Uh, but I haven't tried it yet, so maybe I'll do that too. But, I mean, Conan looks pretty good, and it feels fine to me at 30 frames per second. Oh, but I wanted to let to you know, know that. Well, um, I appreciate that. Also, you can so set nice. your nudity before you log in. You can set it to full, partial, or whatever. How big of a penis slash tits can I give my character? So penis, I... I don't know if it's just console that won't let you do it. The game says in its settings that you can go full nudity, but then when you log into a world that says that the server's max nudity is partial. So you can see boobs, and sometimes you'll just be walking around, and you'll just see a camp of a girl, and like you'll see an archer, and she'll just have tickle bitties. No. But you, you don't see a dude hanging hog, sadly. Just, That's not Just great. to balance that, right? Because wouldn't it be funny to also see like a big titted woman over here, and then suddenly there's a... And she's an archer, and she's shooting at you, but then there's this big hog dude shooting at you too <laughs> yeah the guy's looking like um the dude his, from his the dick is coming up and pulling back the <laughs> the string on the bow to release the arrow <laughs> his dick is the arrow <laughs> so Stupid i've probably head. talked about it on this show at least once but whenever we were doing um i love the story whenever we were the first time i ever played dungeons and dragons uh was Kyrie was like six weeks old she was very young and my friend came over we did it here uh and he was like you make your own character and i was like okay like what does that mean he's like you make your own character i was like okay but to like what degree he's like you just choose what you want to be and i can't remember i think we were playing five or something maybe it was three i can't remember it was it was a version where it had a little bit more freedom and so i decided to make myself a dude call what i tried to do at first was uh the centarpede, where it was a centaur with its head inside of the ass of another centaur on stilts because of the way that your neck would have to go and it would just keep going up. But he said no. And so I, I pulled it down to where I was a centaur named horsedick.mpeg, which is a uh, Miss March joke for any of my widest mm. no fans out there. Um, but I, I named him that, and his special ability was that his penis could be used like uh like a, a projectile weapon but also like a rope and stuff so like i had a pierced penis with different heads i could put on my dick and i would like slide a barbell through the thing to put the the head on and it was like i had a blunt one so if like every now and then i would like roll to see if i could shoot my dick out at a wall to bust a hole in it to see if there was anything hidden behind it <laughs> um one was like we we approached a gap and there was a a tree branch hanging over and i rolled to see if i could like shoot my dick up over it and have it wrap around like a grapple hook and swing across um it was a good time and that's what i imagine shooting a bow and arrow with your dick would be like it'd be that dick <laughs> that huh. that dick is the arrow um but, yeah, we'll see what ends up coming. Uh, you got anything else you want to talk about with Gotham Knights? No, um, we'll see. I kind of want to play it, so I hope it's good. I mean, I, I want to play it just down, down the line. <laughs> 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 or if I get it for free. <laughs> you know, like I'll play it whenever. You'll it would have to pull me off of Conan free. right now. So we'll see what happens. Well, I'm more likely to play Gotham Knights than I am Conan, so. I, I know you are, Chris. <laughs> and I'm more than likely to die before I pay Apex with you. But, you know, that's... Uh... Yeah, I know. That's because I'm a you, true friend. No, it's because No, it's because you wanted to hurt my soul. Tell you what, Chris, yeah. a game for a game. Hey, listen, a game for a game. You already have Conan downloaded. Let's do Conan tonight. I'll start downloading 
yeah, I'll start downloading Apex. It shouldn't inter- us being online on Conan shouldn't interfere downloads, right? <laughs> I don't I'm really think sure. about that stuff. Uh, anyway, but I'll download Apex and I'll play a game of Apex with you. So you're saying me playing Tribes wasn't enough, me playing Sons of the Forest wasn't no, enough, me playing Near right wasn't enough, insta- me playing Dark insta- Sector wasn't enough. That's a whole five. I didn't play. I didn't say play Dark Sector with me. But so you, asked, I, you requested I purchase and play Dark Sector, and I did both of those things. I recommended. I didn't request you to do anything. I recommended that you purchase. I and recommend play. you play. A, I recommend you do a lot of things, and you don't. So I've given I rec- you, you recommended five. that I play Inscription and I played it and it's a great game and I love it. Yeah, because I'm never wrong. So how about uh, you play Chris. Persona? Chris. Yeah. Chris. Tell me one Come time on. I've been wrong. Chris. Tell me one time I've been wrong. <laughs> the Outer Worlds, enough said. And do I or do I not consider that one of the best games of last gen now? Now. So have I have you been not- wrong in the past? But yeah. I'm not wrong now. And that's all that matters to you? Fine. That's all that matters to me. Because I wasn't <laughs> wrong back then because I didn't like the game back then. So well, hey, I was not wrong. You never know. Maybe I'll play Apex this time. Because I think I've told you I played Apex like when it came out, the year it came out, with a friend who brought his PlayStation over, set up a TV. We played yeah. side by side. Played like three games. And I was like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. I played you. as the robot with the you know the little faces Path on. Finder, who I think yeah. has the little ropes that you can do out. Yes, ziplines. Yeah, grappling. Hooks. Yeah, ziplines. Pathfinder, my boy. Yep, that's who I played as. And that uh, sucks. <laughs> why does it suck? Well, I'm just not a big Pathfinder guy. All right, what's well, next? Fair bro? enough. Next piece of news: the more we hear about EA Motives Dead Space, the more it appears to be a Final Fantasy VII level reimagining, rather than a faithful mm, remake. Yes. Along with deciding to make Isaac Clarke talk, something that he did not do until the sequel, and I'm actually glad they're doing personally, and revamping the zero G sections to make them less on rails. Also glad they're doing. When they showed that, I said, "Wait a minute, that looks like Dead Space Two zero G," and that's amazing because <laughs> Dead Space One zero G. Honestly sucks. <laughs> They're reimagining the game, not remaking it. <laughs> They've also now shown that the Ishimura is interconnected, allowing you to go back to areas you've missed while also adding extra areas that are only available with higher security clearances. All in all, Dead Space Remake is looking great, and limb chopping action will hit consoles on January 27th. And that's where I have to back up. I'm not really sure if I follow you on this interconnected thing, because if anyone doesn't know, Chris does the news, uh, or he types up the news. Um, I, I feel like I remember the Ishimura always being something that you could backtrack through. Actually, one of the one of the complaints against the game, and then sometimes one of the strengths against the game, was that even some people complain that you had to backtrack a lot with the game. The, the game is designed about running through the same parts of the ship multiple times, um, depending on what you're doing. And then other people consider that a boon that the game is still so good despite being a backtrack heavy game in many ways. Um, um, I just use their words. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, that's curious to me. And I also feel like there was always higher security uh, clearance levels in the game. So yeah, but they're adding I, more. So just they're because they more. were, yeah, I just think that's oh, adding extra areas. Good. So yeah, I think you have a good, you have a good one on your list there. Yeah. I think dead space looks, quite good that's okay though because we're gonna start talking about one here in a minute that is probably gonna be great for your list uh 
yeah, I don't really have much more to say about that other than I think Dead Space looks great. You seem to be on the, and I remember this when they announced it, you seem to be more on the wanting Isaac to stay silent. Thing. You're going to remake that, Dead Space, remake Dead Space. Don't change it. This is not a remake. Fair, are they calling it Dead Space remake or are they just calling it Dead Space? They're just calling it Dead Space, but they're, they're talking about it as the remake of Dead Space. Fair enough. I at least appreciate that the, the name is not remake because it kind of reminds me of how Insomniac did with 2016's Ratchet and Clank, where it really it's it's a remake in most ways. You visit the same places, but they change so many things. Colin has said for a million times back whenever I used to watch uh, uh, PS I Love You, he'd always talk about how in that game they got rid of the antagonistic nature between Ratchet and Clank that they eventually get over. And instead mm-hmm. they kind of make them more friendlier disposition from the get go. And that is clearly a design choice, but most of that game is remade, but it's also like slightly redesigned to make the maps make more sense in modern context. So yeah, reimagining is probably the right way to go, but at least the name is not remake. Cause the one thing I'll give final fantasy seven for hell is why would you call your game Final Fantasy VII Remake Part One and then change shit about the game? <laughs> yeah, I just call it agree. Final Fantasy VII Part One. And then when people say about, well, it's a remake, but it's also a reimagining. But when you put remake in the name, you're making people think, oh, so I'm just going to play. Which doesn't the the point of remakes gets really weird because if you just want the exact same game but with better graphics, most companies are not going to find that profitable. Now, whether or not it really would be, I've always been curious. Dude, Resident Evil 2 is not a remake of Resident Evil 2. I agree. It's a reimagining. Yeah. And do you think that game would have done? Do you think that game would have done nearly as well had it been a true one-for-one remake? I don't think it would have. No, but call it what it is. And I'm not saying you don't update the controls and the movement. I'm saying you should call it RE2 RE, which could be reimagining <laughs> i i understand that you don't agree with me but isaac yeah. talking it's not it's no longer dead space one isaac does not talk in dead space one so call it a reboot reimagining something it is not a remake so stop saying it's a remake it's not if you're remaking dead space one isaac wouldn't talk <laughs> true that's all that's all i'm saying like i just don't that's so why Resident Evil 4 Remake shouldn't be able to shoot and walk because shooting and walking makes the game easier and less tense. So it's a different game. It's a reimagining now. It's not a remake. It's an entirely different <laughs> controls. It's an entirely different balance than the old game was because they had to balance for how you moved. I and whether, that, call it whether that video whether that video claim talking about copyrighted content of Silent Hill Part 1. Silent, yeah. what was it? Silent Hill 2 Part 1? It was Silent Hill 2 Part 1, yeah. Yeah, so who knows? Reimagining. Real or whatever. But yeah, part one would make that game immediately not. (laughs) Oh, man. I I made the joke that, of course, everybody looked at how much money was just printed by Final Fantasy VII Remake Part 1. And and Konami's eyes just glue. They were like, wait a minute. You You can remake beloved games, but change things about them and make them into parts where people will pay $250 for a story they previously paid $40 for? (laughs) Sign me up. I mean, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows is what told these people that they could do this. Yeah, I guess the movie, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Either way, I just don't like that we're calling things remakes when they're not. I get it, but like Shadow of the Colossus is a remake. That is a remake. Resident Evil 2 (laughs) and Dead Space are not remakes. So here's just a. I never played it, but from everything I've heard, it is. Well, no, I mean, well, there's people who actually, because it's a purity thing, right? It's purist. There are people that consider it to not be a remake because they adjusted the control. Like they tightened the control of your character up a bit to make it feel more modern because one of the big complaints of the original is that it's kind of he's kind of a wonky to control, uh, yeah. Wander is. And so they tightened it up and changed a couple of the button prompts, but they also included the ability to play with the original control scheme. But there are people who are like, but the fact that you change the game makes it not a remake. And at some point, there has to be a level of allowing modernization. And where that line is, is is a hard thing to determine as a, it's, it's just a consumer by consumer basis, I guess, because you could argue, and it, this really depends. I would almost go wonder if like going back and listening to Glenn Schofield uh, talk about Dead Space 1, if there was always the intention to make Di- Isaac talk and they just ran out of time, budget, or whatever it be. Um, because what's weird about it is the voice actor who did all the grunts for Isaac is the voice actor who they used in, for Isaac in 2 when he spoke. So was it a design decision? Was it a budget restraint? Because EA didn't know if this horror game was going to do well. And if he was always intended to talk, then is bringing that into play in the remake really out of the spirit of the original? It may not be one for one, but it's still in the spirit of what they wanted to do. And that gets into an odd clarification conversation, but um, we'll see what happens. All I'm saying is... in, in. the game that you bring up, uh, which I still consider to be a pretty true remake, uh, Shadow of the Colossus, they add like a, a cave with a barrel in it that wasn't in the original game, and it's uh, the Last Guardian reference. Does that make it not a remake? Or because ninety nine point nine percent of the game is the exact same with better graphics, adding an Easter egg for a, a future game that's in the same it's, thing is okay. It's different than I think a fundamental changing of the story. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't care if there's re- the Last of Us Part One remake, you know, and they changed some stuff in there. But the point to me is more Dead Space talking inherently changes the story. Even if the story changes, um, plays out the exact same way, him talking inherently changes the story. So it is a different game. It is a reimagining. It is a reboot. Yeah. But no, an Easter egg to The Last Guardian wouldn't make it less of a remake. It would be not a one-for-one remake, but it's closer to a remake than changing the story or changing the the way the game plays because you want it's more modern for your character to walk and shoot at the same time. That sucks. That's an awful change, and I hope there's an option in the menu to change that in Resident Evil 4. The only reason I think there won't be is because I don't remember there being one in Resident Evil 2, but if there is one, I'll be happy for you. And if there is one and two, then great. I'm glad it's there, but I don't. I don't think it is. Um, though it would have been cool. I mean, yeah, options are always great. And if all it is is that, hey, whenever I go to move, my, whenever I go to aim, you lock my character in place. I mean, even that Final, can't be that hard to put even in. Final right? Fantasy you know? X HD has a whole thing where you can choose original music or new music. Like, just do that shit. <laughs> I think choose. it even has the option. If I'm remembering my friend right, I think it has the option for you to choose the original sphere grid or the enhanced sphere grid that, that came into yeah, the. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's actually kind of cool. Uh, who knows, man? Maybe what they'll do is have an option for players who want a more purist view to uh, turn Isaac's dialogue off. 
I I doubt it, but we'll see. We'll see. By now, I feel like they probably would have said that. Like, yeah. oh, don't worry, guys, because like you know we're seeing that with <clears throat> Need for Speed Unbound. Everyone being them being like, oh, don't worry, guys, you can turn all the animation flare off. But then they also came back and said, well, not all of it. The smoke and tailwinds you can't turn off. Right. So why are you even backtracking? You should have just never said you can turn it off. Just let people find that out. But I right. guess you gotta let them. You gotta let them know. You, maybe you just have it to begin the game. Hey, you can turn off most when the game starts. But yeah, you gotta get people to buy the game. So they want to know before they even spend the money. Uh, all right. Next thing up. Depending on who you listen to, industry speculation would peg Game Pass on PlayStation as an inevit- inevitability. However. According to Microsoft, if they had their way, the service would already be on console or on the console, if not for Sony's objections. Responding to the CMA, Microsoft themselves mentioned that Sony is blocking Game Pass from PlayStation, so Microsoft themselves aren't stopping the choice. Sony is. It seems Sony will have access to Microsoft's first-party games when Sony allows it. Um, I don't want to beat a dead horse here. I think this is not surprising, first and foremost. Uh, I think anyone could have guessed that there's at least been some surface level, maybe deeper conversation between the two companies in regard to Game Pass and some, putting it on Sony's platform. Um, but I remain steadfast that it always comes down to how Sony would monetize from it. And I think that primarily comes from what we saw from the behind the scenes Apple uh, Epic court stuff that showed that PlayStation had a monetization standpoint in place for allowing people to play games multi-platform or, you know, cross-platform because as they view it, they're big enough in the market and pull enough people that if they lose a potential purchase because of someone playing and potentially buying something they would have bought on PlayStation on Switch, then Switch gets that 30%. So you've got to pay them a part of that 30% in order to satiate them. And I feel like that same conversation has to happen here. And I just feel like Sony is going to want to ask for more than Microsoft is going to be willing to give. So this will be an interesting back and forth to see if it ever happens. Then there's the top conversation we've had a number of times as to whether or not it would include all games or if it will only include first party. And then you get into competition things. Why would Sony... The only way I could see Sony doing that is if they had never done the PS Plus revamp. Now that they have the PS Plus revamp, you have to deal with the fact that Game Pass would be a direct competitor. It wouldn't though. Like, so. do you consider EA Play a direct competitor? Because that's what I think of Game Pass as like a bespoke first party only one. So I don't think that's a competitor. Well, no, no. In, in, in the way EA you're talking Play about is. it there, no. In the way you're talking about it there, no. But if a full Game Pass would be a direct competitor because there's a lot of overlapping games. Yeah, so I just think there's go, no chance they'll games. ever get the full Game Pass on PlayStation. But if we'll, Microsoft we'll wants to, to make that fifteen bucks for less, then they'll do it anyway. Yeah. Continue on. Well, yeah, we'll definitely see if if Game Pass ever hits Sony at all. Um, we'll it see. Will. Chris, do you still feel like you're by the end of the generation? Yeah, uh, you know, prediction is going to hold true. Yes. All right. We'll see. I I don't disagree with you, but I also don't fully agree with you. So I'm in weird limbo. Well, I'd also I I would also say that what's been going on now with this Activision deal very well may have taken it off the table. <laughs> At this point now, Microsoft goes, you were so petty about it, go fuck yourself. Right, exactly. <laughs> but in business, the dollar always speaks louder than anything else. Well, so if there's the money to be made thing. on PlayStation and, and they really wanted it. Yeah. Phil, like I said in our chat, Phil would be doing the same thing if the shoe was on the other foot. 
So, and they both know that. And he, don't be wrong. I also agree it's stupid. But in a very weird, twisted sense, it's kind of Jim Ryan's job. Well, 100%. <laughs> even, if, even if I think it's dumb, it's Jim Ryan's job to be like, how can we try and stifle the competition from getting a leg up on us? And that's that's the thing with like exclusive games. People will always be like, well, Spider-Man being exclusive is bad for Xbox gamers. And it's like, yeah, because they're not that, making games for Xbox gamers. They're making games for PlayStation gamers, which I understand is the argument with all this stuff. But yeah, you know, you didn't lose Spider Man by Insomniac in the middle of the arc. You like you would have in Skyrim. It, or, it was never going to be there, right? Yeah, it was. You were never going to get it, and Sony's not going to put it there because they want to satiate PlayStation gamers. Which is why people, Jim Ryan, will say, "Well, it's better for it's bad for gamers," and people are like, "No, it's not. It's better because you can play it in all these places on Game Pass." And he's like, "I think to myself when I hear that stuff, I'm like, he's not talking about." gamers as a whole he's talking about gamers who use his product so yes yeah. x call of duty being exclusive would be bad for gamers even if not even if that's the the 30 that play only on playstation it yeah. is bad yeah. for those gamers and people have to start realizing that like while jim might sound stupid some of the time he talks because he's buying final fantasy he's not upset about call of duty He's upset about Call of Duty because his box is losing. He doesn't give a shit about the goddamn Google Chromecast Xbox Game Pass app. Like he doesn't care, and neither do I. So like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and, and on the flip token of that, f- just because we're on that, I am. I have said on a number of occasions that I feel like Xbox is being with their messaging. They're they're being hypocritical whether they're intending to or not. I think they kind of know they are. They're they're spinning their PR to make the, the thing look good for them. And they're not wrong, right? If him saying, if Xbox wants to put out a page that says in the same vein of you saying that Jim Ryan's saying that it's bad for gamers, but he's talking about his, that's true. And in the case of Microsoft, when they say gamers will have more places to play and more decisions of where to play and how to buy, he is right. As long as he, when he's talking about his people, when he, and, and that's why it's like when you look at them from the viewpoint of them looking at it as a business standpoint, yeah, the point of the CMA is to look and try and make sure that the competition ends up creating at least a neutral platform, if not a beneficial platform for the consumer. At the end of the, at the, end of the line, Microsoft and Sony's goals are to make it beneficial for them and then beneficial for you. Mm-hmm. Beneficial for you by being beneficial for them. Right. Uh, and that's kind of the little relationship that happens with these things so um they're yeah, both, both being hypocrites but this is only about call of duty like people will point to well, and, it's, only, and it's also only about their respective boxes as we've said so sure but if 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 microsoft just said call of duty was available in perpetuity but everything else was exclusive this would have been over jim ryan would not be in brussels like that's all I'm yeah anyway what's the what's the next piece of news well, the next piece of news is actually kind of tailed off of this because it's there's no way to know that this is for sure true. So let's just look at it as a rumor and call it a rumor and then more look at it as an idea where if it were the case, why might that be a strategic way for Sony to do this? So a rumor slash report, whatever you want to call it, uh, has come in that says that Sony has been delaying plans for a showcase for PlayStation, implying that the decision comes from a want to not draw attention to any deals they've made within the industry and minimize instances where Microsoft can point 
their finger to deals that PlayStation's made as showing how Sony can handle without Activision Blizzard and Call of Duty. And there's a lot of talk about it. There's talk about whether or not it, you know, it brings with it the announcement of Kojima's new game and apparently Silent Hill being announced here originally uh, as part of a PlayStation exclusivity, which I believe is probably very likely. Um, and then people look and go, well, why would Sony do that? Why would Sony care? And I agree they shouldn't. And ideally, they would just go ahead and do their showcase and show up for us and show us what we want to see. But when we're looking at this from Sony's standpoint, there is some strategic advantage I'm going to liken this to something that, in all honesty, is exactly what this is. When Chris and I did our Platinum uh, competition, towards the end, I knew that Chris was not looking at my Platinums. I knew (laughs) that he was just relying on me to tell him what I had going, right? And in the same sense, so what I did is I got a lot of Platinums without telling him and then didn't announce it until after the competition was concluded, and what Sony's doing here is getting a bunch of deals behind the scenes and not announcing them so that they can hopefully wait until this deal goes over. And then they still have their deals that they had in place. They still get the benefits for the most part of what they got out of there with, while also running the chance of stopping Xbox from getting Call of Duty. That's basically where we are. Is Sony's just being strategic and keeping cards close to their chest. You can call it scummy. I mean, it is, but I also kind of understand the strategic choice behind it because it's effective. <laughs> it just is. Chris felt like I one-two punched him. Yeah, that was fucked up. But it was <laughs> it was technically nothing was wrong about it. It was just me choosing to withhold information. Um, you so cha- I get it. You, you changed the uh, gentleman's rule in the middle of the competition and I am proud of you for doing it, but you're a goddamn bastard. (laughs) I already know that if we ever do a a platinum competition again, first and foremost, you're going to be looking at my platinum list all the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Secondly, you're going to probably say like there's a rule that stipulates every time you get a platinum, it has to be announced and added to a board. No, I won't even stipulate that. (laughs) I won't even stipulate that. I just thought that was like a gentleman's thing that we were having conversations as friends about the games we were playing and platinuming. And instead you're like, Hey, you thought you were up by 10 Platinums? I beat you, sucker. You know what I wish the story would have actually been the entire time? Do you remember how Blake was originally supposed to be part of that and then sold his PlayStation like three <laughs> That he days had later? been actually participating the whole time? The entire time and not saying a word. And then that we think I stand to the competition. He comes in, he's like, 75 Platinums, bitches. That had been the most amazing out of nowhere thing. And all of the time that we made fun of him for selling yet another console would have all been washed away by the fact that he didn't sell it. And instead, yeah. not only did he not sell it, he outperformed us. In our own it, game. It would have been impressive. we thought he was out of. When are we doing another one? When are we doing like a community versus the hosts one? That one's going to be interesting. We'll have to say, hey, community, if you're listening to this and you're into trophies, let us know if you want to do that. We'll have yeah. to see and, and create some rules within it. And, uh, or, you know what I mean? Dog, you come up with the rules and let us know. <laughs> and then we'll, uh, we'll go from there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on to the next uh, the next thing. Oh, I guess, Chris, did you have anything you wanted to add about the, the, the Sony thing? I mean, if we're covered, I, we're covered. I, don't, I, th- I mean, I think it's interesting and it makes a ton of sense, but I don't believe it because um, 
they're about to announce Silent Hill tomorrow. And if Sony has an exclusive Silent Hill deal, it's going to get announced tomorrow. So, <laughs> you know, what were they holding back? And <clears throat> it looks like Kojima's rolling out the game himself. Like, if she hadn't called out those two, maybe I would be more inclined to believe this. But yeah. Because in the, in the well, main, it makes complete sense. Like, mm-hmm. if, if, if they had a showcase in the middle of doing this, and they're like, Monster Hunter Universe, exclusive PlayStation 5. It'd be like, yeah, all right. Like, you don't have much room to, to play. But again, none of these games are Call of Duty. So, Yeah. Um, either way, though, right? No matter what, if you can just make yourself look like you're in not the best position, at least while, they're, while the eyes are being darted at you, it's a smart move to do. Right? Yeah. If... If someone's a, if someone's going, you know, if someone's going to try and fight you or whatever, and you know you can kick their ass, if you want them to actually fight you, you got to try and play yourself off as weak. And then whenever they go in to fight you, then you can be like, "Ha Turns out I wasn't weak all this time." <laughs> um, so it is what it is. You're going to have to kind of work around it. But uh, while you're talking about Silent Hill, I want to bring something up that I kind of mentioned very slightly earlier. Um, we were kind of cracking jokes about how funny it would be if tomorrow during the Silent Hill event, Hassan Karman work, walks out on the stage and it turns out that all along abandoned was Silent Hill. Complete joke. Well, we said it before we even started recording. But it actually made me stop and think because we started joking about Hassan takes off a mask and it's it's Guillermo del Toro and then you, he unzips his face and it's Hideo Kojima. And yeah. It made me think though, with the way that they're doing that weird marketing for what everyone has initially thought, oh, Death Stranding 2, Death Stranding 2, the thought process kind of crossed my mind of the way that they do the Silent Hill stories and how you kind of end up in, in Silent Hill and you're not really sure where you are and they always have that thing of welcome to Silent Hill. Wouldn't it be interesting if all along Kojima's where am I and who am I are actually related to him coming back to Silent Hills. I'm not trying to start that as like a real rumor or anything like that. And I'm not even trying to be wistful and thinking something that will happen. I just could actually see that marketing playing into the strengths of Silent Hill. And more importantly, the way he was looking at Silent Hills. And it would be really interesting for that to play out. I don't think that is what's happening. I think my part of the joke was have been way funnier in that the next day Capcom announces that Sony and Kojima have partnered on a Resident Evil one-off game. <laughs> what would be the name? Like I want it to be so close to Silent Hills, but just like Resident Evil up just enough to where you, it's obvious, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know what it would be. I, what I told Chris is I thought it'd be funny to have that game be the exact like exactly what he wanted for Silent Hills, but you just don't call the city Silent Hill and you just call it like Raccoon City or whatever. It's exactly the same in all other ways. You even have Norman Reedus in there. <laughs> Resident Evil Loud Mountain. <laughs> Quiet Valley. Yes, I like that better. Resident Evil. I guess uh, Loud Valley would be the inverse. So I guess, uh, what would it be? Quiet Mountain, I guess, would be Silent Hill. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who knows? There's another word for hill that I just cannot, for the sake of, like, for the life of me, think of, but that's okay. We'll see what ends up happening. Uh, next up, Sony has recently announced the release date and pricing for the DualSense Edge controller. It releases January 26, 2023. 
Comes in at $200. Pre-orders open up for the controller on October 25th. In the box, you get the following. The DualSense Edge wireless controller, of course. A USB braided cable. Pretty nice. Two standard caps for the analog sticks. Two high dome caps. Two low dome caps. Two half dome back buttons. Two lever back buttons. Connector housing. And a carrying case. Now... One of the things I saw a lot of people bring up is like price for this being high, which I mean, it is. It's also a competitive controller. Uh, people always talk about, and we saw the similar things happen with the Xbox uh, Pro controllers, of still having issues with the analog sticks. Now, I don't actually know what's happening here, but I like to imagine that the little faceplate part that's shiny black on the DualSense Edge can be taken off, and those little tabs that are sticking out underneath them can be clicked back and you can just lift the whole analog stick housing and put a whole new one in modular controllers make so much sense to me and if you're doing something like this because they'd be expensive but if you're doing something like this where you're already coming in at a high price point this is the perfect time to mix that and say hey you can just move you can replace the analog stick and if you start getting one that has a thing you just order a a different analog stick it's $15 $20 whatever it be and you can replace the analog stick without replacing the whole controller Um, I don't know if you remember it Chris there was an I'm trying to think of the brand but there was a a a pro controller for as much as you want to call it that I think it was advertised as pro controller scuff one it wasn't scuff what was the other brand it wasn't razor I think it was scuff. Was it Astros? No, I think it was scuff. I'm going to look it up. Either way, um, the controller had where you could like remap the controller. So, like, you could move the analog stick. It is the Astro PS4 C40. So, if you look that up, if it's, yeah, if it's, oh, no, no, sorry, PS4. you could like you could make it an asynchronous analog by lifting the analog stick out and swapping its spot on the controller with the um, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, you could swap its spot on the controller with the analog stick. So like the, the analog stick was like a was like a um, a housing for it, a full you know thing, and you could lift that entire unit out and move it. And it's that idea. Keep that idea intact, but still make it look like a dual sense. You just hide it by the plastic shroud of the little uh, clip-in, you know, piece. I think that would be really cool. I agree. But we'll see if controllers ever get there. People have been talking about modular consoles, and that's still not not happened, <laughs> at least yet. Well, I lie. Donkey Kong sixty four technically was a modular console. You added RAM to your console. So uh, next thing up at a boon for Chris's 2023 fantasy draft, as opposed to mine with dead space insomniac has reinsured a random Twitter user that Spider-Man two is making great progress and is still on track for a 2023 release. They don't go as far as to show anything from the game and time will tell how long it will take to see the game in action again, but it is at least some air of confirmation or reassurance for Chris when both of us were kind of iffy on Spider-Man 2 hitting 2023 when we were Mm -hmm. choosing our games. Yeah. You feel vindicated? No, because uh, a tweet to a random dude with a Spider-Man profile picture doesn't, you know, necessarily calm me down that it might get delayed, but that's a risk with any game. I mean, Persona 5 could get delayed 
I guess not two days, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. But no, you're right. It, re- reasonably speaking, until we're like a month out from release, and even then we've had a few games delay right like a month or two before. Um, up until then, it's kind of hard. Like Saul said, it's hard to be comfortable feeling like you're not going to do that. Um, all right. Let's see. Either way, we got to hope that if it does it, hit, it's, it's like also if, a, a solid like nine and a half for you. Yeah, right. If I, It's like if I were at work and I was low on, on like d- pizza dough, right? And my boss came in and she's like, hey, man, do you think we're going to make it on pizza dough? And I go, yeah, we're totally on track to get through the night on pizza dough. We're good. Game dev is hard. P- pizza, pizza dough is hard to make. So... <laughs> it takes a lot of time before I can show you more. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how it comes yeah. off to me too. But could you I imagine it- eating in a restaurant and you walk in there and you sit down and you order your food and then halfway through while you're waiting for your food over the intercom you just hear guys here at I'm not going to say your place of work here at Pizza Place. Mm-hmm. We want your we want to make the best pizza and you have the best experience and to do that we feel like we need more time to make the pizza so we're going to delay your pizza you can come back tomorrow and your pizza will be ready <laughs> that would be wild you got to wait for the day one patch to get your pepperoni <laughs> that, that's what they do they're like we will bring you your pizza we want you to understand that you're getting it before day one <laughs> right this is the beta Until you get pizza. day one patch the sauce isn't there yet, and the cheese is sporadically placed. But by tomorrow, it'll be perfect. Early yeah. access pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Here's some flour. This is phase one. <laughs> Guys, if you only know what what we're looking at, like our design documents are crazy. But right now, yeah. you're just getting you're just getting flour and dough. <laughs> Think about that. You're gonna put that flour into a circle, and you're gonna cook it and put sauce on it. It's going to be exciting, guys. <laughs> it makes me think, have you ever seen like those uh, model kits that they send to you parts per week? No, I have not. So like, I've not seen a lot of them, but I remember at one point in time, they did one for the DeLorean from Back to the Future. And it was like a subscription for a model. And they would like send you like the axles one week and then like the chassis one week and then the front axle the next week. And then... Uh, the doors or the body. And then you get the doors later after you get everything. And it was like, you slowly built a model over time. And I just thought of a food delivery service box <laughs> that sends you ingredients, but in different boxes. So it's like, don't worry guys, by the end of the month, you'll have all the ingredients you need to make a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> that would be very good. Maybe that's a skit. There's a skit somewhere in there that we could. There work is. Out. Oh man. All right, let's see. Next thing on the news before CD Projekt Red revealed their Phase 4 slate, they announced an expansion to Cyberpunk 2077 called Phantom Liberty. Now they've announced a new radio station coming to the game, which is hosted by a character named Ash. Dispensing beats rather than orgasms is Sasha Gray, (laughs) who is playing Ash in the expansion. And yes, Chris, while you're curious, this is what I read earlier and cracked up at. And wish I had not read because it'd been even more funny to hear that. Or to it would have been funnier, yes. Read that. Um, what a weird move 
definitely in the wake, <laughs> I say this with all the respect I can, but definitely in the wake of the stuff that happened with that porn star who broke her back during TwitchCon oh, or whatever. Yeah. It's Adrian using. Yeah, the, the, the crazy the crazy thing is that sex sales and cyberpunk has often marketed itself on its sex stuff. So this is really not a surprising move. No, it's just it feels like something I probably would have held back in the wake of all the stuff happening with Adriana Chesik or whatever her name is. Um, I just if you watch the if you listen to her do some like there's a snippet of her doing it on Twitter. I listen to it and I'm like, this is not very good. <laughs> well, see, that's the other thing, right? It's like she's a porn actress. Like she might be good at porn. That doesn't make her a voice actor. But hey, it does, you know, well, here, you know what's crazy? She can I expand. take all that back. I take all of that back, though. This not even hate on her. I was listening to the radio locally the other day because like, I can't remember what was going on. But my, oh, my wife's car is super slow to connect to Bluetooth. And so I switched it to my phone and I had to wait like 45 seconds before it actually connected to my phone. That's and so bad. it's just playing the radio in between. It's a 2013, 14, something like that. So it's old enough. the radio. I'm telling you. But the the person came on there and she wasn't like awful, but it was kind of like that's all it takes to be like a, a DJ at like a host on one of these stations. Like do it just you, came up um, and she was like, have any of y'all caught the Amazon deals yet? I promised myself I wouldn't buy something, but I bought something. Oh, well y'all have a good one. And then she got off and I was like, that's it. That's, that's engaging. That's what it takes to be a fucking, that's what I got to do to be on 95, nine. Right. What, how much money does this lady make? More than enough. It's funny. Um, you remember in like, what is it in fallout four when you have to go help the, uh, the radio DJ and he's this timid guy. And then if you help him get a girl, he becomes like super suave. Like he's in there. He's like, ah, if diamond city is, uh, not, not open for uh business because of, uh, a soup, super mutants outside. And then you get him laid and he's like, hello, everybody at diamond city. Please don't enter the premises because there is an infestation of super mutants outside. Our friend, the Vault Dweller, and Nick Valentine have told me they will take care of it. The last I heard, they were looking for bottle caps inside an old supermarket. I'm sure they'll Is be Is that what he soon. says, for real? <laughs> I, I wish I had memorized a monologue for that. No, I mean... Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to confess something to you, Chris. I've told yeah. you many a times, I literally just beat that game. I was not compelled to do side content at all, so I did not do that. That's uh, really gross. Which is crazy because that's so, so against how do, I usually play. The, so you didn't do the, sil- the the silver shroud missions. I don't think so. That doesn't sound. Dude, familiar. you're fucking nuts. Go back and do some of the, the side only, content. The only the only thing that I did <clears> in the game to start, and it was after I beat the game, and I was already kind of like, I don't really know if I want to keep playing this. Is I went to do one of the Brotherhood of Steel side missions. Mm-hmm. And it was awful. I, it was super boring, and it really wasn't compelling. Okay. I thought let me pitch the you the silver shroud across the board. Was there. just let me yeah, pitch ahead. it to you, okay? You mm-hmm. play the missions as a superhero named the Silver Shroud, and Checks in out. dialogue, it's no Crepes Crusader, but I mean, it, it's something. It's correct. In dialogue, it's at least alliteration, though. In dialogue, you can role play. As the superhero, the Crimson Shroud, or the what? Jeez, I was thinking of the Crimson Chin, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Silver Shroud. So, 
What about the bronze kneecap? <laughs> it's always bothered me. I know it should. It, it always bothered me that the villain didn't have alliteration. Yeah, I know. It's like, bad. why is he the bronze kneecap, but the other one's uh, <laughs> the crimson chin? He's a but villain to alliteration. The, the boy chin wonder. So even Timmy Turner as the boy chin wonder was also not alliteration, which makes me sad. It makes me sad too. I actually watched a bunch of old Nickelodeon stuff the other day. I watched that game show. Oh, I forgot what it's called. Adventure something. That was fun. I'll look at I don't know that one. But there's some good stuff. Wild they have Thornberries. their moments. Wild Thornberries. Did you know there's Fantastic. a Wizard of, of Waverly Place <laughs> movie that has Selena Gomez as evil Alex? And evil mm-hmm. Alex is just a hot goth chick. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm going to so watch good. that movie at some point. Oh, yeah. I won't yeah, report back. No. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, the Wizards of Waverly Place movie is pretty solid, actually. At least Alex to my versus dumb, Alex? Uh, yeah. Okay, well, and I'm also excited the to other watch ones it. I did. Because I um, like the Wizards of Waverly Place. That is an underrated Disney show. Like, outside I, of me uh, you know, carrying water for Selena Gomez, Wizards of Waverly Place is good. What? Yeah, that's the other problem I have, though, is like, I know that anytime I say anything positive about that show, it's also heavily weighed by the fact that the first episode I ever saw said, holy crap, whoever yeah. that girl is is fun. <laughs> yes. The show I watched was uh, Ad- Adventures of the Hidden Temple. The oh, Legends yeah. of the Hidden Temple. So that was a game show yeah. where they had to like, pull themselves on, on yeah, donuts it was, across it, water. It was fun. Yeah, it was kind of like Wipeout, but you know, you know something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, no, I do remember that. That was interesting. Uh, also, I, I love how you said Hannah Montana for Nick. I know, Come but on, we man. did get watch your, Hannah Montana. Get, get your culture. It was Hannah like, Montana's what, what? Wizards of Waverly Place is better than Hannah Montana. Hundred percent. But my yeah. my girlfriend's significantly younger than me, so I was like, "Have you ever heard of a uh, Rocco's Modern Life?" So, why did I say significantly <sighs> younger than me? She's four years younger than me. Well, but dude, anyway. to be honest, that's that's enough because even yeah. Rocco's Modern Life was kind of on its way out for our generation. Like, no. I watched like, it. Like she didn't but, know Doug funny, but she was like, "Yeah, I watched the Backyardigans." So, like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but the one thing that that'll tell us is that everyone knows SpongeBob. I, dude, I said that at work today. I said mm-hmm. there is a gender, there's about a 15 year spans of a generation or of different generation, whatever you want to call it, of people that all know the one cultural touchstone of SpongeBob. And it's really interesting. It's SpongeBob is the great unifier. <laughs> Somehow, some way. Uh, all right, keeping up with the next news, keeping the news in Poland, there's a pretty weak rumor going around about <laughs> keeping the news in Poland. Yeah. What's the joke here? Is this something about the walk in Poland? Just, just finish reading. And you'll find out that the developer is from Poland, so that was the, the joke. Okay. Well, I, I, all I know is I'm not really in the hip-hop sphere that much, and all I've heard for like the last week and a half from people is like Lil Yachty, I think is his name. Yeah, I haven't even heard Bob Brady song. song was like, I took the... It's <laughs> <laughs> a yeah, he, he put... <laughs> He okay, so he illegal. From what I recall hearing, he illegally transferred codeine to Poland, but pol- in Poland, codeine is over Pro- the promethazine, promethazine right. codeine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, what made me laugh is all the people who are just like having a blast with it and not taking it seriously. It's like one of them was like a uh, 1792 or whatever, it was like a, a boat 
storming into war and they just photoshopped a bottle of codeine into it. It was like <laughs> Liliati taking the, <laughs> taking the walk to Poland circa 19, <laughs> 1792. I like stuff like that. It's just funny. Yeah. It's kind of like when everybody was doing um, what's his face, the one who's uh, <laughs> everyone was like, wait, he's British. I can't remember the rapper right now. Twenty One Savage. Yeah, Twenty One Savage. Yeah, the the one who always Twenty One. Yeah. <laughs> Did you listen to ASMR? Yeah. I told you to listen to that on one of the episodes. Oh no, I didn't. It's, it's the song, right? No, yes, I didn't. it's the song. Oh. You gotta listen. Yeah, to remind it. me afterwards. We'll see what happens. But I um, will. All right, let me keep. Let me keep with the news. In Poland, there's a pretty weak rumor going around about Sony and the aforementioned CD Projekt Red. Recently, David Jaffe indicated in a live stream that he'd been hearing that Sony has a strong interest in a purchase with the company. While it would make sense for Sony to gobble up the studio and hold the reins to a premier Western RPG studio in the wake of Bethesda's merger with Big Green, it seems unlikely that the studio needs to do this with revenue coming in from TV games and the GOG storefront. And yeah, the weird thing about CD Projekt Red is people don't really think about the fact that they have a lot of secondary revenue streams and that GOG is a huge one. Mm-hmm. I mean, Valve uh, makes so much money they don't need to make games. Like that, And CD oh, Projekt Red has the, the next best store on PC, so... What's crazy about it though is that like I could see Sony having the pushing the value because I think Sony the only reason not is that Sony is invested in Epic and I wonder if it would feel like a little bit of uh, conflict of interest to a degree if they were to buy GOG uh, but with Sony hopping into the computer market is it really a bad idea for them to have a market where they could sell their games and still make the whole profit if they choose, if they bought into this. Like you know, if if Valve was able to make so much money that they could get out of making games by doing uh, by doing Steam, then Sony should want to try and gobble that up so that they can yeah. not stop making games, but you can still see the similar benefits to it. What um, I would think is that it would be um CD Project Red exists kind of like Bungie, but yeah, they they yeah. could also be like Okay, that new IP, I think it was called Hadar. So Hadar is um, exclusive to PlayStation 5, but everything oh, no. else is... They could. They could. Yeah. But I would tell you right now, Sony's... My goal would be after after they were like Starfield and The Elder Scrolls are going to be exclusive, would be The Witcher 3 and Cyberpunk 2 are going to be exclusive. It doesn't even matter if they're as big of games. It would just be like, we have to answer your thing with a with our own but answer. I the agree, but I also I wonder if... This, I also wonder if CD Projekt Red would make that like Bungie did. Okay, you can have us for ten billion if you let us be independent, and maybe some things are exclusive, but some things aren't. Or you can mm-hmm. have us for thirty-five million, and we don't get to do you. We can be fully exclusive of PlayStation and PC publisher. Because to me, that would be the stipulation: we stay publishing. I, on I love PC how you're throwing like and, thirty-five million. This is like easily a two hundred million purchase, if not more, in my opinion. Oh, I meant I meant with a B. My fault. <laughs> okay, because I, I, I was like, "That's minimum." My two hundred was like minimum. Well, you're talking two hundred million. But GOG is probably pushes it up into the billion standpoint. Yeah, so I think there would be like a bungee level. So let's say you two get billion. for this, yeah, two three billion dollars. Mm-hmm. And but hey, you I want us for this? It's it's ten billion. Or you know what I mean? If they 
if they didn't have GOG with where they are right now, I think Sony could probably get them for less than Bungie. Mm-hmm. But GOG makes them very valuable in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I think but in you a know, lot of ways, GOG would be a really smart investment for Sony to have you? that big storefront. Because eventually, you know, if, you, if they put enough work in and they do make the right moves with that, they, they could have Valve-type money coming in. Obviously, it would always yeah. be less because Steam will remain dominant. But GOG is already second. And imagine what an investment in, uh, in a Sony thing could do or... You know, connecting it to the Epic Store kind of thing, like yeah, hey, your somehow, GOG library, and you it, yeah. it entitles you to both of these. There's cross buy, something Sony doesn't love to do. You know, well, and one of the things that I think um, is a is another benefit that I think that they would really want to here is that um, they've done a really great job with using their IP and leveraging it for TV. The Witcher series has been really good done really well is that Showed them? people early on i don't know that it is but i, I if i'm not because i was thinking Cyberpunk of edge is. runners yeah well that, yeah. my thought was edge runners i didn't know about witcher so i didn't do it well yeah, i do want to find that out because is cd project red involved with the witcher <coughs> show cd project red announces plans for the witcher series so that sounds like that's probably oh, okay so they're probably the ones involved oh, hold on let me see the department responsible for developing original games formed CD Projekt Red launched a digital distribution. That's something a little different. Um, the Witcher dev CD Projekt Red not involved in Netflix show. There you go. There we go. That was uh, IGN. I, I trust that. So now the question becomes, is that true of Cyberpunk? Because if not, then I think it's a little bit different. But you no, know, Sony right Cyberpunk now... Cyberpunk is, is an trying. original IP. Witcher is bought... Was a book. Uh, Cyberpunk is was already a board game prior. No, to it is, but I mean the version they're doing is an original IP. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, or at least, yeah, that's what I would have thought as well. I, I'm pretty sure they're involved. Let's see. Project Orion and trigger to release net. Yeah, it's really Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Yep. So they're definitely involved in that, if nothing else. And so far, Edge Runners has done really well. So regardless of thoughts on the Witcher series, what I'm saying is that Sony need people who are already succeeding at turning their IP into successful cross-media uh, franchises mm-hmm. to help them continue to do that. Sony clearly has a lot of interest in that. And buying up people who already have that knowledge is smart. It would be smart of them with... Like if if CD Projekt Red wants to do animes, hey, we own Crunchyroll and Funimation. Like, yeah, there you go. So it makes a lot of sense in a hypothetical situation. I just don't know that it'll happen. Yeah, who knows? I, I think it's at least an interesting thing to talk to think about because I would really love if Bend is not going to push forward with any kind of Days Gone Two idea. If we get to somehow end up in a world where Sony is somehow back at buying CD Projekt Red and then CD Projekt Red being like. Uh, yo, can we make Days Gone too? <laughs> I hope this happens. I hope they buy CD Projekt Red. But if this is something that's going to happen, it's going to happen after the uh, Xbox Activision thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it, but the interesting thing about this is kind of like what we talked about. You can make deals and not choose to announce them or anything like that. Like you can talk and have these things and not choose to finalize anything until you're in a strategic point to do so. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. See, uh, you know, people, huge. it would, but people always do this thing where it's like, 
this is a this is a weird side conversation, but it's slightly involved what I'm going to say. One of the things I was talking about with Sony and how I still think Sony is, of course, being hypocritical in the way they're looking at Call of Duty, um, despite the fact that right now they have exclusive content or at least exclusive windows of content for Call of Duty, um, and they're talking about not wanting Xbox to have anything like that. But one of the things that I've always kind of thought about is that Sony to me, could reasonably argue whether or not it's a strong enough argument or not, but it's a somewhat, I can follow it, that they, even though they currently have the contract, whatever you want to call it, with Call of Duty for these exclusivity things, when it was owned by a third party, it was always technically up in the air because Xbox did this exact same trick against Sony, right? During the 360 generation and benefited from it. And then Sony just found a way to either outbid them or convince Activision somehow to give that to them. It was probably with money. And so ostensibly, even though Xbox currently doesn't have the Activision deal, if Microsoft wanted to throw enough money at Activision as a third party to once again get that deal back, that's just playing the game. Because Activision is still a neutral third party and it's just a bidding war. And so what Sony could be reasonably arguing is that by outright buying Activision Blizzard, you get Call of Duty and no longer is it up for in the, you know, in the bid of how things work. It's no longer at the auction floor of the gaming industry uh, on that level. In a weird way, Microsoft is just going the next level and saying, well, instead of throwing a bunch of money at specifically Call of Duty, we'll just throw even more money at Mm -hmm. the owner of Call of Duty and still get it. But where I was going at there is people often talk about Microsoft having so much money, but if they do have so much money, then why would Microsoft not have just outbid to get Call of Duty exclusivity again? Oh, you know what I mean? To get that Mm -hmm. contract back. Now, there's probably a contract period. Um but you have the same question here. Like, if Sony were to mention interest in CD Projekt Red, people act like, whether it's true or not, that Microsoft could just step in and be like, we'll offer 10 million more. We'll offer 30 million more. We'll offer a billion more and just sweep out and steal them from anybody. I don't really think that that's true in terms of how these things even work from a, like a legal standpoint and how you proceed with these things. But it's, I mean, it, it's true. That they have the money to but, do so, but whether or not they could or would. Well, what I was, yeah, because what I was about to say was, it's not like this is, um, you know, storage wars. There isn't a guy like, all right, Activision Blizzard, one million, two million, three million. Do I hear five million dollars? Do I hear? No, it's they go into a room and they have conversations and then they get bought, probably so, under some kind of an NDA where right. you're not supposed to it's talk about like, this. It's, yeah. it's not like Phil Spencer is in a room with Jim Ryan talking to the head of CD Projekt Red and they're like, they're bidding. It's like Sony made an offer, CD Projekt Red accepted, Xbox would have beaten it. Like, yeah, like in my head, it's like I don't think any of the console makers, Microsoft or Sony or even Nintendo for that matter, would have passed on Crystal Dynamics and those IP had they known they could have gotten them for pocket change. But sometimes those things just happen in private. Mm, you know, I actually don't know. I think that they might have because of simply not having the manpower to do anything with them. You know what I mean? Like you still have to have studios to make those games, even if even if you get valuable IP. The but IP I'm talking is only about you get those you studios too. So yeah, you you get the IPs. Crystal Dynamics goes and makes Tomb Raider, and I'm not saying that you use all those IPs, but 300 million dollars to own Legacy of Kane and to own Crystal Tomb and to own Tomb Raider and to own f- for sure. But I'm saying like you have these things that now you don't have the option for. And again, my point is not that they should have done it. My point is that it's pocket change. To them. 
Yeah. Compared to spending $3 billion on Bungie for their knowledge, you spend $300 million on something else. So I don't, it's just, I don't think this is a bidding war. This isn't, you know. Yeah, I think that, that's true. MLB no, I think there's times where it is, right? Kind of like whenever you were in that situation where WB was trying to, or AT&T was talking about shopping out WB's gaming industry, <coughs> or yeah. gaming section, and clearly they said, like, we're shopping it out, which kind of invites people to come in and be like, hey, mm-hmm. throw us a number. Well, exactly. Because I think the thing with Bungie, if you look at Bungie, they probably weren't thinking about being, they probably weren't looking to be bought, so they're not out there like, Hey Jim, you want yeah. another realm? Or instead, Sony just came to them and said, "Listen, we think that y'all have something that we value that we don't have. We want to pay to have that be our knowledge in house and still give you the freedom that you want, and right. we'll still benefit. And here's a here's a big amount of money to make that possible." So I did I did some math. So we were talking about CD Projekt Red and the, their potential price. So mm-hmm. right now at market, their shares are worth six hundred and thirty nine million dollars. Look at that. I got some of that. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations. It's up to 635 today. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> but so if you think about that, right now, you probably get CD Projekt for a billion. Possibly. Pay them, what, $84 above market? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. So maybe it's something that happens that's not that expensive. And it makes more sense than buying Square Enix or buying Capcom or buying... I mean, actually, it doesn't make more sense than buying Take-Two, but that might be the only situation. I would say you buy that publisher over anyone else. Hey, you got <laughs> Call of Duty? I got Xbox, motherfucker. <laughs> or I got GTA. Yeah, whichever one you end up grabbing. Uh, well, yeah, well... We'll see what ends up coming in the way of that. But it, it's the kind of interesting move where one of the things that you said that I don't know that I agree with wholeheartedly, I think it's sure. interesting to watch, but whether it's whether or not it's good for consumers, as you were talking about, you feel like if ABK goes through, right, that you feel like it creates open season for yeah. mergers and acquisitions. I do. I don't know that I, I, I don't know that that's, something I want to see or that I even think is necessarily good. I, it would be interesting to watch just because this is interesting. It's a little annoying because it's getting a lot more attention. Um, and it feels like you can't escape it to a degree. <laughs> yeah. And I also think but, it's not just it, stuff hasn't been presented as just facts. It's like Sony has no, blocked game pass from Microsoft. Sony is a monster and that doesn't, you know what I mean? And that gets annoying, but I think hearing about it every day is fun. It's just, the conversations well, it, around it suck. Occasionally, it's interesting. You know, the, like it is interesting to see that at least something, at least Microsoft say, hey, we have offered this to Sony. They don't go into how far the conversation got. It could have been that, that Microsoft called up and said, Game Pass, you want it on your system? And Sony said, go to hell and hung up and it never, <laughs> you know, or it could be, hey, do you want Game Pass on your system? What does that look like? How would we make money? And then they talked and they're like, ah, we just don't see it being viable for us. There's a million reasons as to why it may not have happened. But it's interesting to at least know that it happened. Kind of like it was interesting to learn about the way that they handled uh, cross-gen or uh, cross-platform play because a lot of people just assume that Sony suddenly buckled. But why? If Sony just suddenly buckled, they would have done that initially. They were clearly waiting until they could come up with terms that they could get people to agree with. Yeah. And I think, if anything, I almost think that they were actually showing how much market power they have. Because they were saying, like, look at that. We're the ones that are not letting you play everywhere, and we still have the highest player base. And so if you <laughs> want it on this action, you got to pay us. Like, they were hardballing. 
I think that that's really what was happening. But uh, yeah, but where across the board though, where I was going with there is, I don't. We, we've seen it happen with other things. I don't necessarily know that this going through suddenly means that everything would get to go through. If anything, I think that this going through might actually kind of put an even bigger eye for certain big purchases for it to start being like a we're going to look and be more stringent about this and this and this. And we're going to start being like, now you're approaching too close to what we would consider a monopoly. Mm-hmm. It, 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 so it really depends. I think if anything, it would shut down it, or it would significantly lessen the amount of M&A that we see out of Microsoft. And it would have a lesser but still effect of that nature on things like Sony and Tencent and everything. I think it. I think it'll just get to a point where um, it'll be like, is anything a bigger purchase than Activision Blizzard? No, you can probably do it. And then it'll get to, is this totality of Sega, Capcom, Square Enix, and CD Projekt Red, does that equal Activision? Maybe at that point, you know? Well, even then, right? But that's why I say I think Microsoft would get the hardest because if Microsoft now has Bethesda, not as not as big of a purchase, but it certainly groundbreaking at the time for our industry. But between that and then ABK, I think you have to look and be like, okay, now anything they try to add just pushes them that much closer towards the dial of feeling like a monopoly, or at least the potential of being a very strong monopoly. Um, And then I think at that point, Sony could really be like, look, they're literally slowly but surely taking away things that we've built slow relationships with over the time to create synonymous nature with where when you think PlayStation or when you think Final Fantasy, you think PlayStation. When you think PlayStation, you think Final Fantasy. We may not own it, but we've created and cultivated a a relationship with Square to have that without having to outright buy them so that they could still be open market, but we could benefit from that. And if you're going to try and buy them, I I think you start to get to a point where Microsoft which has a harder time buying any sizable publisher. Uh, I don't see how Microsoft can buy anything else after that. Uh, that's kind of what I mean, because anything that you go to buy that's not like a single developer, I feel like you're going to start pushing it. Like if it, if it comes with a lot of IP and stuff like that, it's going to start being like a – and maybe we're wrong. I'm clearly willing to live in that realm. But I just think either way, back up to my original point, I think that mergers and acquisitions may slow down if I even want to see them at all because I don't really want to see all gaming consolidate into three companies. I think that that's ultimately a worse – way to end up now ultimately the upside is is it doesn't seem like nintendo would be one of those three but it was it would just end up being sony microsoft and tencent or netease maybe maybe the big four but i think in the end we kind of are at that point how do you why why do you think that just because i think everything flows through these companies anyway so at a certain point we're just like they have their to, hands in every one of them to right. some degree. Like I, mean, I think Tencent owns some Ubisoft, right? If I even Embracer right. Group, yes, they do. But even Embracer Group doesn't exist without Sony and Microsoft. You know, well, we can you can from, argue about PC all you want, but those markets are not the console market. So everything already runs through Sony and Microsoft, and Nintendo to a lesser degree because Nintendo tends sure. to stick to their own thing. Yeah. So my point is not that there's not other players, but my point is there are th- three big players. And those are the people who it flows through already. So it almost doesn't even matter if they merge or not. At that point, all you're seeing is, oh, this isn't coming to Xbox, so this isn't fair, blah, 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 blah. And I think that and I think that becomes lesser when we get to a point where Xbox probably ends up in twenty years not making consoles and is on and game passes everywhere. 
That's what I would yeah. think. I mean, I think them eventually going the route of Sega seems inevitable. I don't even mean that as a as a hit. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that the, where they may differ from Sega is they still may always make some form of hardware just because their service still would like to have kind of like Google, right? Google's Google tried creating Stadia and they still had dedicated Stadia hardware, even though you could play it on non, you know, you could play it on PC and, and whatnot. Um, and they didn't have to have that, but they still chose to do that. I think Microsoft will always probably still make some kind of a device, some kind of hardware, uh, whether or not it's something real powerful or not, who knows? But, uh, you know, they were talking about Phil Spencer teasing the new stream box, and uh, I think that the fact that they already have so many iterations that they're looking at within the Xbox Series family to a degree shows that they're willing to play back with all different variety right. of types of consoles. I think we'll be at a point where they're not a console maker as in we have the f- best console on the market. They're a console maker as in we have this dongle that you connect to your TV and it comes with a controller. You know what I mean? And maybe, and maybe if you want a little a, bit better experience, box, it is yeah. a, a bigger version that's right handle some things you can install one game at a time on this but oh yeah, maybe i don't know i always thought it would be interesting to see a, a box that essentially kind of exists in the middle of a console and a stream box to where half of the game runs native for like but i feel like no matter what you still deal with certain aspects being delayed. But if you're streaming in the sense of, this is going to get weird wording wise, but you know, when you're thinking about games, data being streamed in on your console, not through internet, but on your console, like, you know, the game is streaming the information as you're approaching it and coming in. So when you swing your camera, it's pre streaming a certain bit of information so that if you swing your camera that far, it can account for it. And then as you swing your camera, it continues to stream in more stuff that you can see. I feel like if you could get to a point where you could have a game where it's cloud game on part of it, but they send just enough and install just enough natively on whatever console that you're using or whatever device hardware that you're using to where you're, you have a controller that interacts with that device and then your controller latency is no different than a normal console because it has a real hardware and it's running that part of the code natively. And then it's mm-hmm. filling in the rest of the data by cloud streaming in what's ready to stream and that maybe that's the way that you get rid of the latency issue and i feel like since we've not seen that yet it's either not as simple as that or it's impossible (laughs) one of the two but it sounds great on paper so who knows i agree uh, but moving on from all that, uh, Eat Up Survival Horror fans, this coming week is going to be a huge one for you. On October 19th, Konami is going to be presenting the future of the Silent Hill franchise, finally. The next day, Capcom is showing more on the Resident Evil franchise, including another look at the reimagining of Resident Evil 4. Interesting to note, Sony appears to be co-streaming this showcase with Capcom, which feeds into Chris's joke about Kojima coming out (laughs) (laughs) during it. Um, You know, I think, I I don't know if you remember this, back in like 2012, 11, one of those two, 
was when the last time that Konami were like all hands on with the Silent Hill franchise and they announced like a bunch of games and they did all this stuff and then none of it did well. They announced that Book of Memories game for PS Vita that was like a dungeon crawler Silent Hill game. It's not a bad game. It's also not very much of a Silent Hill game, but um, then they had the Silent Hill remasters that a lot of people hated. <laughs> they had the new Silent Hill with, I think it was like Downpour or some game like that. And none of it did well. And so they just literally like, no more. And I feel like they're doing the same thing again instead of just working on one game and being like, here's one Silent Hill game. Let's focus on one and make it good instead of being like, bam, Silent Hill's back, baby. We're doing eight Silent Hill games. I kind of get a weird feeling that that's kind of where they're approaching, but they're just going to cut it down. Like, we're doing three Silent Hill games. Yeah, here's an anthology. Here's Silent Hill 2 Remake. And here's Kojima's game. <laughs> You've got it. Here it is. Kojima's to me, tired again. I feel like you need to rebuild people's faith in Silent Hill as a franchise with one game that you focus on and show and you put a lot of effort into. And then whenever it comes out and does well, then you can let people know they do know how to handle Silent Hill. Because part of my part of my worry here also comes from the fact that the last time Konami tried making a game that wasn't involving the original creators and they just kind of spit it out was Metal Gear Survive. And I, I'm not even talking about the game itself, but the game did not perform well because nobody, first of all, it didn't feel like a Metal Gear Solid game at all. It felt like trying to tack Metal Gear Solid onto a type of game it's never been. And is so different from what the franchise people would typically like. It's doing so after you kick Kojima out and doing it without Kojima. It feels like a game that Kojima would have never made. And so it didn't do well monetarily. And they're running the same risk here because I don't know if you remember back then, but when they did this big Silent Hill blast, it was all Western developers. Yep. The only benefit this time is it sounds like if the rumors are true, at least one of the games is being developed by a Japanese developer the secret exclusive Japanese developed game. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So turns out to be abandoned. <laughs> like they abandoned the franchise. It all fits. It all fits. All this time, you're going to learn that abandoned had little notches in it. Just that if you put the letters for Silent Hill in there, they, they filled in the gaps. Yeah. Dude, I would never forget how quick that, the Metagross, uh, the Phantom Pain thing. People were like, "It's Metagross Solid 5. and I was like, "How do you know?" And they're like, "Look, it was the day of." I feel like two hours after they showed it, someone was already like, "Look, <laughs> if you put Metagross Solid, it perfectly fills in the notches in the letters." <laughs> okay, <laughs> good for you. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit optimistic on that one. It's kind of like whenever they did uh, PT and then Kojima was like, we thought it was going to be like two weeks before people figured it all out. But it yeah. was like the next day. It wasn't even 24 hours. They were like, holy no. shit. <laughs> but, oh man. Yeah, we'll see how that is. I'm curious to see Survival. I mean, Silent Hill come back. But I'm also just really iffy because I, it's been a long time since the Silent Hill game has truly impressed me. Uh, and I'm going to be honest, the fact that a video got some kind of copyright claim for Silent Hill 2 Part 1, it being put in parts does not inherently mean it'll be bad, but it doesn't instill a lot of faith. I don't even know if I want Silent Hill 2 remade, in all honesty. If I do, this is going to sound weird, Chris, I'm, I'm leveraging on your side. If I do, I want 
first of all, I want the game to not even redo the voice acting. <laughs> Keep the original voice acting because it's weird. If you play that game, it's unsettling because half the voice acting is good and the other half feels like, what fucking planet am I on? <laughs> That's what our show should be. It should be just terrible voice acting on purpose. <laughs> Whoa, you're saying that I could do that? No. Dude, no way. If I just train hard, I could win? God. No, Chris, <laughs> please do not make me do that. Uh, okay, moving on to the next piece of news, Chris, unless you want to shit on Resident Evil 4 a little bit more. Can't wait. Okay, good. <laughs> Updated on last week's report about Modern Warfare 2 and the need for a telephone number, the reporting had some slight truth as you will need SMS verification for PC, but the same requirement is not being made for console players, which I think is a really odd choice. I assume because it's much easier to hack on cons- I mean, on PC, so tying an SMS to it means that you can't continuously get hit yeah, with that. I would say that's, that's an interesting choice. Okay. Uh, I have nothing else to add there other than I'm at least glad that it's not happening just, for everybody. I just felt I've like seen we a lot update. of people. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people complaining about uh, Overwatch still and Blizzard saying that they were going to take it away and apparently it's still not completely taken away or they were going to take away the requirement that made it have to be a, a, a big carrier and not prepaid. So I don't know. If you're wanting to play the game and you haven't been able to, I'm sorry. That sucks. That's the best I can really give to you. Um, to be you. So next thing and final thing, just before recording, we got this small bit of news that Callisto Protocol will still be releasing at its scheduled date of December 2nd, which is good because there were some rumors floating around that it would be delayed, <clears throat> while also including a quick little jab at the fact that it will be including a 60 frames per second performance mode in the wake of marquee titles like Plague Tale Requiem and Gotham Knights being locked at 30 frames per second. So... There we are. There you have it. That's the news. Um, this has been going for a while. This is what a two and a half, two forty-five episode or whatever. Probably two and a half hours right now. Close to three. Yeah. So, uh, I think at this point, Chris, unless there's something else you want to do, I think we probably just need to kind of see what do you feel like is a fun um, community stake from what we have. <clears throat> I know we had talked about maybe. <clears throat> Excuse me. I know we had talked about maybe looking at the uh, whether or not PlayStation was doing <laughs> was being under the tabley, you know, kind of shysty with their uh, with their showcase. Yeah. Ask, uh, due to that the, can be the sake, do you believe that that report is true? And if so, do you think it's smart? Not smart? Shitty? Not shitty? Yeah, I think normal business. I think what's interesting is, do you believe that particular? Report, or do you believe that regardless of the report itself being completely true, that the information within it may be inadvertently true? Because that's Mm -hmm. where I feel like I'm landing. I feel like it's true that Sony is probably holding back from a a showcase. I don't necessarily know that this person knows all the information and the exact contact or the exact, you know, reason or exact games. Uh, And also, it, it, it smells of that weird, like, you know, when leakers try and do like too obvious of stuff to try and give credibility. I don't, and it's a, the weird thing of it is that sometimes it's just the way life is. But by choosing Silent Hill and Kojima, it just screams to me that you're looking at prevalent rumors and pretty safe bets and then throwing them into this so that you can make your 
report look more likely. I agree. But we'll see what ends up happening. Um, so yeah, guys, that will be the community's take is, uh, do you feel like Sony is doing that? And what will be interesting is if before time for the community's take, if Sony does end up announcing a showcase and if they do, <laughs> we'll pivot based off of what happens there. But for now, uh, yeah, what do you think of that tactic? And do you think that that is a tactic they are choosing to use? Or do you think Sony's just not ready for a showcase right now uh, because they don't want to detract from any of the games they have coming up? Who knows? We may see. One other final thing that is not really worth a bunch of talk, but something interesting, God of War Ragnarok codes went out. So um, you might want to be careful for spoilers. <laughs> yeah, and you might start getting some ideas of how people feel in the coming days and or weeks because uh, we know it's about a from what they were saying it seems like it's about a 40 hour game as well so uh, you get the right person on that and that can be beaten in two days <laughs> exactly <laughs> so alright Chris thanks for joining me man appreciate you as always uh, we want to remind you guys that if you want to be part of the community's take you can head over to Twitter find us at Triangle SQRD you can find us on Facebook in the group Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast or as always head to the de- description be it on the video form or in your podcast service click the little link for Discord download it hop in there Maybe you want to go to patreon.com slash nartech and give us a dollar a month so you can get a cool purple name for being a square. And in this case, being a square is cool because you're being a square for the Triangle Squared group. Or maybe you want to be a triangle, get a green name, give us $5, get you a sticker. Who knows? The choice is yours. Play the play the, play the the dice, play the slots, do what you want to do. Uh, but we want to thank every one of you and also uh, everyone. Hopefully your stickers will be getting to you any day now uh, for our patrons who got them. Thank you guys. I did not get the ones, uh, nor have I contacted the people who were international, but I will be doing that this week. So if you're a patron and you don't really check it all that often, uh, be on the lookout. I will be sending messages to get addresses for everyone so that I can get that going. Uh, But until next week, this has been Triangle Squared, episode 280. I know that Saul's not here, but since he was in this episode, I feel like we can safely say lucky episode 280. <laughs> bring a little bring a little bit of that Saul love back in here. Uh, yeah, Saul mentioned the other day, he's like, yeah, I'll be back in like 20 episodes, right? And I was like, oh, for 300? He's like, yeah. So I guess he's, like he said, he's going to come back for marquee episodes to have fun. So if you were missing Saul, don't count him out just yet. Does that mean I'm coming back? I mean, I didn't think of that, but maybe. That's if you even can. <laughs> you have 20 <laughs> weeks to figure that out. <laughs> that would be next year. I have two weeks of vacation. Go down there and then go to Florida. Hey, I get, hey, do what you want, man. If you want to make that happen, we can make that happen. Hell yeah, brother. So we'll, we'll continue to talk about that. But until next week, we are going to wrap the show up, as always, by thanking you guys, our lovely patrons, for being patrons, first and foremost. Uh, we want to give a shout-out to Stingray X. It's a sin to win, a.k.a. Sean, Aztec King, Lichion69, The Lord Corgi, Salvador Garcia, Hammond Egger, Bailey Robertson, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days 93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Christopher, Danny Villalobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Sanderud, Steven Salazar, and Shadowist. Thanks, Eve, thanks to each and every one of you, and we hope you have a good one. Bye.